0: to episode 226 of the Crate and Crowbar. I'm, oh wait, the date is the 15th of February. We do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm Tom Francis and with me here are... Philip war and... Alex Wiltshire. Hello. Hi. There's, we won't say there isn't much news this week, but there isn't much news we're going to talk about because <laughs> we don't know what it is. Well, Chris um, Chris
1: went and he took the news with him.
2: Yeah, yeah. He took it all in his big travel bag. <laughs>
0: the one thing we do know that happened just before we um, uh, started recording is that uh, the Steam Lunar New Year sale has started and that will still be on when we come out. Um, I think it's at least this weekend. Um, and with it, Valve have updated the wishlist feature to basically add a bunch of like ways you can filter your wishlist. It seems from the changes they've announced, I'm inferring that people have a lot more on their wish lists than I do. <laughs> I have like three games on there where they're like, Oh, we've heard that you um, really want to be able to like, uh, when there's a big sale on, uh, find the deepest discounts on your whole wish list. And it's like on mine, <laughs> I can find that out in less than a second <laughs> without scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess some people wish list just fucking everything.
2: Um, Mine's you... a mess because I use it almost like a bookmarks function because yeah. there's no bookmark oh, yeah. in Steam, and so I don't actually want could... to buy any of those games. I just want to vaguely keep them in mind for something.
1: Steam <laughs> in recommendations the are insane <laughs> for you.
2: It's a mess, and then suddenly it says this thing is like a fiver, and I'm going, "What was that? What was I doing? <laughs> like, just bookmark for later." <laughs> you can
0: follow a game without wishlisting it. Um... I don't know if that's helpful in this case. But well, it...
2: that would require me to relearn a different button press. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I often and I have sometimes just like bought games for people that are on their wish list, and I kind of don't do it anymore because I realise a lot of people are using their wish list for. <laughs>
1: <different laughs> yeah, got button
0: Thanks, Tom. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? I'm just gonna, was going to cover it for work.
2: <laughs> My brother said that he was going to buy me a. A thing from my wish list for my birthday. I was like, "Don't, <laughs> don't until I've had a chance to see what's even on there." <laughs> like, what are gonna... oh, these things? Uh,
0: so the new filters are: you can like specify a certain discounts. Say, only show me the stuff that's like seventy percent off or more or less. Um, and you can also uh, tell it like just don't tell me about stuff that's still in early access. So um, you know, regardless of whether it's in a sale or not. Uh, and I would quite like, I guess. If you wish for something that's an early access and then it comes out, I guess you get an email about that anyway, right? I don't know. Maybe you don't.
2: I don't think so. Although my various inboxes are such a mess of like from when I was freelance and people used that for work press releases and things. And now my work email address <laughs> and Steam on top of that would just be I can't differentiate <laughs> any of these pieces of information.
0: Because that's actually, that's the thing I would like, uh, specifically for notifications, just I want the email when it comes out of early access, because that's the most common case of me hearing about a game being excited about it, but not wanting to play it right now, is uh, I'm hearing buzz about it because people are playing it, but I don't want to play it yet because it's not finished, so I want to kind of come back to it later. Mm. Because I did that with Subnautica, and that worked out. (laughs)
2: Yeah, like actually in, in a sort of vaguely related news i don't know if you covered it last week but there was the sunless sea uh sunless skies oh yeah yes thing um from fail better their update about how the the game will still be coming out sunless skies this is but that they sort of made some i believe like scoping and staffing and and thing decisions based on sort of, I, I guess, the, the momentum from the Kickstarter continuing? or I think they you know, assumed
1: also that it would have the same sort of sales trajectory as some
2: I can't remember the specifics of it. It is worth reading that blog post, but they've had yeah, to make a few layoffs. And... They,
0: um, yeah, they laid off some stuff and uh, they said that it had sold 15% of what Sumner C did in the similar time period, which is pretty shocking. It's really, I can't figure out the PC games market, which is kind of a problem because I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't understand why, you know, the things that seem like sure bets seem to uh, often not do well.
1: I, but I, I like, did that. see it and think, okay. I don't see that that is very different. It not seem to be very different to some of the seas.
2: I see why the the fact that that studio i feel like it's the sort of thing that does garner a loyal fan base and that people mm-hmm. if you like that kind of game then want to be involved in the next one or to sort of uh, and i think that the company um engenders an amount of goodwill by you know just the the way it seems from the outside as well it's uh it, it, you know it's a smallish prospect that sort of produces interesting things that they clearly care about and yeah. so i i get why people would want to uh maybe invest in terms of the kickstarter and stuff but then i agree with I, I think their assessment was essentially or one of the the points was that they didn't have enough in the game when it came to the version that they released as early access there just wasn't stuff to do and i would concur with that because I had access to it at that point and they're just really you know you'd sort of check it out and you'd be like okay yeah there isn't much and at that point you're like okay well that can't really build on the excitement and I'm not going to tell other people Uh, you know even if I wasn't a games journalist looking to cover it for whatever reason it's kind of I wouldn't as a consumer then go oh you must play this or this was a really cool moment or you know certainly at that moment at that beginning point and so it doesn't it doesn't start to snowball in that way, and and obviously I don't say any of this with any kind of insight into their business, like and and the way that it might have worked. But
1: did they did they have to because it was kickstarted and you know there was a date that they had to kind of honour with the backers I or something? Don't
2: think that they ever said. I th- I, I wonder if it was more just a, a keenness to put the stuff out there and for people to start playing with it as soon as possible. But the actual sort of what that would mean maybe wasn't necessarily mm. addressed or you know with the and i do think that if you have such phenomenal success because i think it was funded within you know an hour or two right mm. so maybe if you have that level of success you can't you just can't make any plans logically off the back of it because mm. it's like what what does that tell you what what plan this is gonna make? be huge yeah it, it, you know, is this the beginning of something? Is this the, you know, as many things as we will ever sell? Is this somewhere in between? You know, it's it, I, it does feel like an impossible unknown in some ways.
1: Like the PC games
3: market.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there are like stats kicking around about like um, amount raised on Kickstarter versus yeah. you know, first week sales uh, when it came out. I suppose it's probably few and far between because so that many of them, uh, I won't say didn't come out but haven't come out <laughs> like the vast majority of um uh these things end up taking way longer than
2: expected or re- yeah.
0: yeah it's probably there's just uh it would there'd be so much to factor in between the kickstarter and the launch that it wouldn't make sense to really
1: judge and it's so wild you know it depends on the game because there'll be some sort of uh very niche kind of made by boutique studios probably maybe a little bit like felt better where where you know there's a that impassioned group as you were talking about who would jump on the kickstarter but then is there the the, the less kind of the more casual wider audience that would sort of give the bulk of the sales Once it it's out who knows
0: it was um very interesting to me that they announced the sales uh comparison because that's usually a kind of information that you'd want to not yell about if it's if you've had a um if you struggled you sort of don't want to let people know that it's um uh, that it's really uh, done that much worse but i guess when it's a kickstarter and people have paid for it and they're like where the hell is it why isn't why aren't you or you know because uh, it was the announcement actually was like we're not gonna hit our date we don't have a new date mm. we will still make the game we don't know when it's coming out that's obviously in isolation that news would be like people would be uh, pissed off and so they probably felt like they had to explain why and be upfront about it which is and so in in the service of doing that, they also calculated it's um, it's okay to project uh, to you know let people know about your sales failure if it explains another mm. thing they'll be even more annoyed about.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: I also wonder, and this is I hope this comes out right. I think if it was a larger company that wasn't hitting a date and therefore sort of had that almost sort of monolithic, impersonal, Element to it, that's a different thing. But when it's someone like Fail Better, like adding that extra, and we've had to do all of these serious, you know, redundancies and go through these processes and stuff, I think that that also maybe sort of helps not exactly um, build up goodwill, but I think that those people who are sort of super invested in the studio or really appreciate what they're doing sort of it, it maybe would bring out their tendency to evangelize and I know that 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 doesn't sound quite how I mean it but you know it's it, uh, you know when you hear about anything that you like that's going through a tough time you sort of maybe want to sort of say oh maybe I'll go back maybe I'll check it out maybe I'll sort of see it, almost if there's anything I can do you know there's an element to that that yeah. maybe would be useful yeah to it sounds so cold but like to to sort of in gender through that post,
3: yeah,
1: and it's worked because you know a lot of we're talking about it. There's a big story on Eurogamer sort of yeah. behind the scenes, which probably doesn't paint the studio in such a good light, really. You know, with lots of different people having quite uh, Is this problematic. You've read? Say again.
0: Is this something you've read?
1: Yeah, there's a sort of a very exhaustive uh, article on Eurogame that came out yesterday, I think. Oh, I've missed that uh, one. Well, not yesterday. Um, in the middle of the week. Um and a lot of ex staff,, um, current staff, board members were all quoted in it, and you know, in some ways it's not it's the kind of thing you'd expect from you know a, a group of people who are going through a fairly difficult phase, some of whom you know knew about it and had to plan for it, and other people it was all sprung on. There's quite a lot of kind of confusion, irritation, um, that kind of thing. But, you know, it, it struck me that a lot of the problems, the game didn't sell. You know, and that, that's because of multiple things, not necessarily to do with the studio even, you know. Yeah. Yeah,
0: slightly sad news. And lighter news. Yeah. <laughs> not, not news at all. Let's just stop talking about news. <laughs> uh, what have you been playing, Alex?
1: I've been playing um, Slay the Spire. Yay! Lately. That's why I asked
2: you
0: first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this game and I want to talk about it.
2: I'm completely oh. going to get that name wrong, by the way, because I can see out of the corner of my eye, Spire on the shelf.
1: Slade Spire.
2: I also,
3: when
0: I first heard about it, I thought um, I got it mixed up with The Spire, which is uh, okay, again yeah. by the Dust Bowl people, which is not out yet. Uh, actually, there was a segue there, which I missed, which is this is an early access. And
1: it is. So and you've been playing it, which is against...
0: The Tom Rawls yeah um, yeah only because a friend recommended it and uh, it was because I was jet lagged actually I, like it added to my list in fact I think I might have even wishlisted it or I sort of bookmarked it in some way um, and thought I'll check that out when it finally comes out and then I like spent four hours lying in bed doing nothing and thought fuck it I'm going to fucking play Shade, like, Shade the Spire Shade the Spire it <laughs> happened already <laughs>
2: The thing is, though, I thought you were going to say I was so jet lagged I didn't know when the actual <laughs> release
3: was. Has it come?
1: Is the I misunderstood? Like, it in I the feel actions.
2: it. <laughs> I thought it was on like future time. It's fine.
1: It's one of those games that sort of, you know, I think you could argue that some of the art feels a little bit kind of, um, <laughs> <laughs> and people have a <laughs> little bit access. This very podcast. Um, but uh, they've improved actually. Uh,
0: a lot of the. Uh, I think I said Chris uh, was put off it by the art, and I said that um, it seemed to me that some of it is placeholder. Yeah. Um, and actually, one of the things I was thinking of when I said that was the the campfire screens. And in the recent update, they've redone those and they're like animated now and they look better.
1: Yeah, and um, but, this but is, we should quickly recap what it is. Yeah, let's, let's go. Like, so it's a, it's a uh, it's Hearthstone roguelike. <laughs> you could call it. It's That's um, a it's a. It's a roguelike in which each uh, floor um, of the spire, which... Are I was going to
2: say if there's the anything spire, you I ever didn't ever want to start again from scratch, it's Hearthstone. <laughs> no.
1: so but the out. difference the difference <laughs> is, like, I can't do Hearthstone because um, so this is a deck building game, which as distinct oh, okay, from... Yeah. Uh, a
2: CCG. <laughs> yeah,
1: a CCG. So like Hearthstone mm. you go into your game with your deck, and you, which you've either poured over for our many happy hours or you're like me and you started looking at it, got terrified at the sheer amount of thought and reading I'd have to do and Mm. stopped Um,
2: I picked a bunch of things I liked and then forgot about it for months and they yeah. just had to make the best of it when their deck came up. But Pip, what about the meta? It's all changed since then. <laughs> Look, I won't have any of the right cards. It's fine. They're all deprecated, like wild. Oh, I know, it's sake. so much work. It's not the year of the Kraken anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible times.
1: But, so in this case 'cause because the, you make the the deck as you go along, um, you know, through the game, so uh, you, you finish the first battle um, with a very basic few uh, cards um, and then you get to pick a card at the end um of that of that battle um out of a selection of three and then you go on to the next and you go on to the next and you slowly build up that deck and you're you know reacting to the the random choices that you come up with and the ones that you choose from um and you're reacting to what are called erics because when you beat bosses um and sometimes found in chests and other kind of event um uh, locations you'll, you'll encounter, um, you will get these items which often transform your strategy because suddenly, for example, um, I was bitten by a vampire and <laughs> this gave me a relic which meant that which took off 30% of my health, like stripped off, like suddenly I had a maximum of 50 health or something. And now um, I got some extra cards in the deck which called Bite and
0: and you actually had an interesting combination there, which I haven't had before, which is when you got that event, it's an option. You meet a vampire and they, they are willing to bite you, but uh, you can choose not to if you like. And they go like, "Oh, if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I usually don't do it because um, uh, it's a big change to your deck. If you've been going for something else, it, it, it re- would really throw you off. Um, but you had a relic that meant that every attack card you gained would automatically be upgraded when you gained it. And yeah. bite is technically an attack. Yeah. So all of your... Uh, it was more tempting for you. Yeah, it's
1: a bit harder every time. <laughs> and did
0: you get more health for that?
1: Probably you did. Uh, yeah, so with with every bite, you got some um, health back. And I was playing a character. So the two there are two classes in the game. There is uh, the Ironclad, who's like a, a warrior about hitting hard and defending hard. And then there is the Silent, who is like a rogue character. So inflicting with damage over time stuff and, and kind of... Um, big hits, but then quite squishy as well. Mm. So I was silent on that round. So I finally, you know, there's an inherent trait in the Ironclad, that the the Ironclad um, regains a little bit of health after every battle. And my silence suddenly was able to regain health. Mm. And that was because you can only regain health outside of those sorts of things, basically by coming to a campfire. Yeah. So let's talk about the map. when you do that,
0: when you you get to a campfire, you have a choice. of Do you want to rest or upgrade a card? And so if you need to rest because you have to get that health back, you're passing up the opportunity to upgrade a card, which
1: is quite a big deal. To strengthen your, your deck. Um, but it's um. But there's loads of really cool little um, mechanics. So there are some enemies that do um, kind of debilitating kind of t- attacks, which puts um, wound cards into your deck. And so suddenly you're being dealt a hand you know because you'll have a rest- a number of cards that you'll be dealt every 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 round and um and uh, you'll have three of them or you know two of them being sort of wound cards and suddenly those aren't choices you're able to make so you're restricted on the number of actions you can make and that kind of thing um so that you know there's, they're really
0: really creative those are all different as well like there's um uh an enemy that burns you and every time you use a burn card uh, it doesn't go into your hand right away it just goes into your discard pile and later when your thing is reshuffled it'll come back up you know randomly but when you get it if it's in your hand at the end of the turn it deals damage to you and it also doesn't go away so it'll keep coming up again so you keep adding burn cards to your deck so your deck just becomes like not only garbage because you don't get any good cards because it's filled up with burns but every burn is hurting you as well and it's horrific and then there's another one that um So I got used to like, oh, you want to discard these cards if possible. Some of them don't do anything if they're in in your hand at the end of the turn. Um, But, you know, they don't do anything good. So uh, you discard them instead of discarding something useful when you have have to discard something. Um, But then there's some that are ethereal. And I was discarding those too. And then I actually looked up what ethereal does. It has this really nice feature where like every keyword mentioned on a card will pop up a little tooltip next to it explaining what that keyword means and I actually read the tooltip for Ethereal and it says if it's in your hand at the end of your turn it gets destroyed so you want to keep it you don't want to get rid of it even though it's useless you'd rather discard something semi-useful and keep the Ethereal one that does nothing because if you keep it then at the end of your turn it gets destroyed and so it won't come up again whereas if you discard it it's actually going to come up again it's just going to get worse and worse
1: yeah and there are there are are periods where like I I had a build and the the variety of builds that you um, that you kind of you feel that you've kind of come across them like i don't know i've only got i don't know five hours or something played so far so i'm certainly coming across builds that i'm kind of accidentally kind of stumbling on but you know you could have a build you know where a relic is uh doing damage to enemies every time you discard a card or every time you discard a card you pick up a card like there are loads of you know i don't know how they deal with the sheer kind Of emergent chaotic sort of you know cause and effect from the, the interactions between these relics because I think early access is the answer to that, yeah. <laughs> but it's a really both. what I was saying at the start. What I was trying to get to saying in the start is that for an early access game, it's clearly been play tested to hell and back already. Yeah, yeah. So I actually spoke to them earlier this week and because um, uh, I'm writing about it um, for RPS and um, they. Um, the mechanic, or is yeah, it something else? yeah. So it's about it's about the fact that, um, like, into the breach, um, this game tells you exactly what you're going to be encountering next yeah. turn.
0: Tells what the enemy's going to do,
1: and um, which is fascinating. The two games have come a, um, uh, come, uh, come about yeah. because of that, uh, with that same two roguelikes, features, in fact. yeah. Um, and uh, but it, it's a. They said that some um, their playtesters they had some super play testers who had racked up 800 hours oh <laughs> during, my God. During, up to the early access release, which is sort of... It is really addictive. <laughs> yeah. And, and and they showed me a few couple of videos which are going to be part of the article. Um, uh, they the, the One of them was from the very first prototype and some of the card names were exactly the same as they are now. Like <laughs> a lot of the systems were kind of right in there at the start, which right. is, you know, it's, it feels for an early access game incredibly solid. And the main thing that's missing is a third... Um, class which they're working on at the moment
2: is that the main thing that is left to add or is basically and some guess, of the art yeah.
1: and i think that they are doing they're adding more cards but they don't i don't think they particularly feel the need to you know it i expect adding lots of i mean there, there is a plan for adding more cards and they kind of want there, there are some numbers on their website well, on steam i think actually that explain exactly what the kind of targets are for each of the classes
0: there's an amazing GIF they posted where they have taken data from where people die. So I don't. When I'm playing, I don't really think about this, but I guess you are technically ascending through a tower. Like you, you see a map and you choose where to go next, and I just think of it as a map of like you know normal flat space. But I guess you're going up all the time um,
1: because they call them floors. So, so that's yeah, really and
0: every that. there's like three acts, I think, and um, within each act you're going up different floors, and so they have data on like what floor people died on and I guess they even record like what time that this happened and so they made a visualisation of that data that sort of replays it in real time with a picture of the tower and people just falling out of it with the different <laughs> levels that they died on yes, and they're actually, nice. they're even colour coded so the red ones are the um, a fighter guy and the green ones are the rogue person and uh, they have a number attached to them that reflects what not, what floor they got to so you see all the 50s
3: coming
2: out the
0: top the, and <laughs> <laughs> they're just going down no, it's just like carnage <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's just like that super meat boy thing that shows you, like, at the mm. end of your
3: your successful yeah, run. Yeah, we see all the every... runs
1: together. <laughs> the, um, yeah, it is like the, the sort of going back to the the way that they're very deterministic is something that they kind of developed over time. And I'll, I'll be writing about about that. But one of the things is wondering <laughs> why why would two roguelikes come along at once with this kind of you know telling you what's happening. I, can you think of any games that have done this before? You know, recently, before, where you know exactly what you're going to face, so you plan on this turn what you're going to do.
0: No, not really. It's something I, I really like, and I really want games to do more. Like I, I'm always in favor of more information. Just in play. I just think players should have almost completely perfect information about everything that's going to happen, <laughs> just because you can make more interesting plans in that case, and then you just have to give them mechanics that support that. Uh, but usually. That is strongly uh, rejected by the strategy game um, mm. uh, community in general, um, in particular. Because uh, I remember in like Frozen Synapse, Frozen Synapse doesn't, there's no way to know what the enemy's going to do. Um, but I play it with Fog of War off, so I can see where the enemy currently is, and then on my turn, I can plan my turn, and I can also, the cool thing in Frozen Synapse is you can simulate the enemy turn as well. So you say, oh, yeah. Like,
3: yeah,
0: I think the enemy's going to do this, this, and this, and try and shoot me here. Now play out what will happen if they do do that. And then whether you're right or not, that's the only uncertainty left. Um, But a lot of people play it in dark mode where you don't get to see the enemy at all unless you're literally (laughs) looking at them. Mm. And so like it's all conjecture. And I find like in that situation, I was just... I kind of can't plan really because it's just there's too many uncertainties, and mm. um, so my plans are just really vague. They're just like, well, let's not do anything interesting because we we just can't know that they're not going to kill us if we get leave this corner.
1: So that's precisely why they um why they put this determinism because they were seeing people. So you know, in in a turn, your main your main sort of strategies are: are you're going to attack, are you going to defend? Or are you going to play what are called power cards, um, which which are kind of, won't do an awful lot right now, but they're a good investment over time because you know they'll give you an ability or something like that. Um, they're usually very expensive in terms of energy because it's got the same sort of energy system as, um, uh, as Hearthstone in that cards cost different amounts. Um, and they saw that that without knowing what was, people were going to do, what was going to happen next, people would play conservatively. So mm-hmm. they would always try and put some block up you know, so that, you know, if they're attacked, then... Yeah, it just means it you do the same thing
0: it. every time, right? Because your next turn is the same as the last a one little, because you, this little, you also don't have any information. Yeah. Whereas when you have information in this and in Into the Breach, actually... Um,
2: or you can't commit to one course of action because you have to sort of be prepared for like two yeah. or three different possibilities. So yeah. you yeah. sort of have to jack of all trades and master of none it,
3: you know? Exactly.
0: Yeah. And this and Into the Breach both have that feeling of like, because you know what's coming, it's presented like a puzzle. It's like, here's the constraints... What are you? How are you going to solve this? Um, whereas, if you don't know that, it's just like what is generally the best thing to do always.
1: <laughs> but it's interesting that kind of what, the way I was thinking was sort of looking at it was the. Um, you know, if you think about classic rogue rogues, roguelikes, likes like Brogue or something like that, like Brogue, like rogue. Brogue, 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 <laughs> Brogue. Um, <laughs> you get to see, uh, you know. You get you know what's all around you. Um, you know, there is some line of sight in broad, but you know what's around you and you can make very educated guests a guess on, on what's gonna to happen to you next turn. And you will be basing all of your strategy on that. And there there are lots of uncertain things, you don't know What, what that wand is that you just picked up and you know Maybe the enemy won't attack you this turn, but likely they will. And you, but, you know, with experience, you can really build up a really strong picture of, you know, the, the space in which you can make choices. So I think that's built into the to the roguelike and it needs that because you've got permadeath. You know, it's not like an RPG where uh, you can generally, you know, you can either revive after dying or you can just go back to a save, you know, and, mm. and, you know, then you do a bit of grinding, come back with a better equipment and, you know, then you succeed you have to do that in a roguelike. So you need information as your kind of as your kind of armour um mm. against the, the kind of the, the challenges. And I think that into the breach and say the spire have seen that you can twist the roguelike kind of template into being a card game or like an advanced wars like tactics game. Um but then you need the prob- you know the, the deterministic element to maintain the core of the the roguelike Mm.
0: because even like Splunky, Splunky could easily have just hidden all the things that your character can't see like that line of sight check thing is um uh for some reason that seems to be like one of the first things indie uh developers try because it looks so cool i wonder if i can do that that kind (laughs) of like monaco line of sight thing and yeah you can and uh it's kind of an interesting programming challenge but i think design wise it just means that you just have less to make decisions with and just you tend to do the same thing more. And yeah, if Splunky, if you couldn't see where like what was coming, it would be so much less interesting. You, like The ability to see what's coming and plan ahead is such a big part of it. And actually Slate the Spire, I can kind of conclusively say that um, it would be less interesting without that ability to see what's coming because there's a relic that means you can't see what's coming.
3: <laughs> I had it once. I had it
0: once from the start of the game because um has this nice system where as long as you got to a boss on some uh, anywhere... Um, when you die the next time you play you get a choice of different modifiers um, when you start you can you don't have to take any of them if you don't want but one of them is give up your starting relic so if you're the warrior give up that thing that heals you and instead get a boss level relic that's just random um, and the one I got was you get uh, four action, four energy every turn instead of three, but now you don't know what the enemy's gonna do ever. <laughs> That's just permanent for the rest of run. And usually I would- That's a hard
1: trade-off, I would say. Usually,
0: like, I've seen that as, a, as an option to pick after defeating a boss before, and I've never gone for it because it just sounds like suicide, but. And usually if it was given that at the start, I would just think, oh, screw this. I'm just going to start again. But because you only get the bonus, those options, if you get to a boss, I thought, well, I might as well try and get a boss with this. <laughs> and uh, I was the warrior. And so I just, like, every time cards came up, I had a choice of it. It just like, highest damage, please. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. Just Let's just kill things as fast as possible. And I just never play block cards because it's just like why Would I block? I don't know if you're going to attack. It's was a waste if you don't, so I might as well just try and kill you as fast as I possibly can. <laughs> and it was really good. <laughs> like, for, for all of Act 1 and about half of Act 2, it was really good because I was killing things so fast that it just didn't matter what they were going to do. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're going to do, but it doesn't matter because you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, yeah, eventually their HP kind of outpaces you, and it's like, I, now I need to survive for like seven turns before I can kill you with my max damage stuff. I was also, I kind of, because I prioritized just like raw damage figures uh it meant i didn't go for kind of like a a deck that scales better because one of the cool things about um uh designing a really good deck in this game is that there's lots of different ways that you can make your deck get sort of exponentially better rather than linearly better and the game is kind of balanced so that getting linearly better just get getting cards that are a little bit better than the last ones um, is not going to keep up with the enemies. You need to have something up your sleeve and you really need to be thinking about, like, why is this card going to make this last card twice as effective? And so with the warrior, it's like uh, usually something to do with strength because strength adds damage to every attack you do. And it's uh, persistent over the course of the fight. And so you can do things like get a power that every time uh there's one that every time you cost yourself health with another card you mm. gain one strength yeah, I saw that. And yeah. so then you go for all the cards that hurt you even though they'd normally be not not worth it because now they're making you more powerful as they do it and uh there's even some nice stuff like there's one that doubles your strength um and then there's another one that gives you three more strength at the start of when you play it and then takes it away again at the end of the turn and so it sounds like just temporary buff. You just buff yourself now. All the attacks you do now are much stronger but then it's gone at the end of the turn. But if you play that then you play the one that doubles your strength. Oof. When it takes the strength away it only takes away the original amount. So you just gained three strength permanently. Huh. <laughs> and so there's all these little loopholes like that that just feel really satisfying to exploit. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. But I didn't do
1: any of that so I died. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. fantastic. I'm, I think that um, and this game is not not afraid of killing you <laughs> without, and you you know, you'll be in situations and you'd have played it's quite a slow game in the sense that a, a run through it can be an hour an hour and a half um, you know, it flies by but it's it really is quite a long time um, and, you, and every time I've died so far, it's been conclusive you know, <laughs> I've been in you know, I've had no block cards and I've just been hit for 40 damage and i only had you know 10 health left you know yeah. there's nothing i could have done um you know in the last 10 minutes of play or whatever but um knowing it's weird how knowing what i was going to get hit for it's good you know i'm going to hit 40 damage can't do anything about it and yet somehow because i knew it i doesn't feel as frustrating as yeah. if as you know mm. compared to just getting hit for the for that damage
0: the same in into the breach like you you when you die, you know you're gonna die before it happens. And so it's, it's, peace it's a it. process of acceptance, such <laughs> a long uh, process of denial beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you finally come to realise it, by the time it happens, you've already you already know it's gonna happen, you already know there's nothing you could have done.
2: I wonder if the length will play against it in that specific way. Because um I think... 'cause I've only played I've only played like the barest smidgen of Into the Breach, but Um, Obviously, the levels are quite sort of manageably small and there are very few turns that you have to play with. Whereas the idea of losing an hour and a half's worth of progress for a decision that I maybe made an hour ago or something, that's the sort of thing that has consistently pushed me away from things like XCOM or, you know, it's kind of like, well, I might well have screwed or or any sort of... Mm. Real-time, all-turn-based strategy, I just sort of sit there and think, well, I could have made the decision that screwed me over within the first five minutes of this game, and I won't know until we're five hours in, yeah. and, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was unwinnable from from the beginning. So it probably speaks
1: to my kind of inexperience with it, but I don't think I can... Pinpoint what I did wrong. Do I think help <laughs> is probably? Oh, I never can. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that maybe yeah. as part of my. I
2: story. did so well.
1: This is bullshit. No, I, it's like, so random. Like it's so random, and the you know the just the sheer cause and effects of it all is so kind of convoluted that it's hard to figure out. Kind of, it's it's death by a thousand cuts, Pip. <laughs>
0: Because no. the problem is, like, there's, it's sort of double random and that, like, you get presented this. Double
2: random.
0: Yeah, that's not my technical <laughs> term for it. You get presented, like, a choice of three cards when you defeat an enemy, which one do you want? And, uh, you can make the right choice then, like, this card is clearly better than those other two. Mm. It's, like, a thing that adds some poison damage, and there's all these cards that you could get that will multiply that poison damage and make it do that, that snowballing thing, that, that exponential thing. Um... And then it might just never give you another poison card ever. <laughs> and if you were holding out for that, and you didn't choose those other like basic combat cards that aren't that interesting, but actually, if you'd gone for that, what you happen to be offered in the rest of the run was way more in, in tune with that. Like you just can't know that, and so you, sometimes that screws you.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm.
2: But
1: it is it is a roguelike where I I'm enjoying the journey. Okay, and so that's
3: cool.
1: while you know you can really start enjoying a build, you know those few kind of battles where it's, everything goes right and, you know, you've, the, everything seems to work, um, are great. And it's a, sad to lose that, but it's, a you know, I like games that allow you to enjoy playing them rather than <laughs> kind of just only aim for the satisfaction of being them. Controversial stance, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, <Game>.
2: And <laughs> also in this terrible, terrible world that we live in with, you know, absolute unpredictability, Quite nice to know what's happening in the next three seconds. Oh, yeah. you. <laughs> so you're going to go over there. Brilliant. <laughs> I can manage this. And that
1: might be bad for me, but at least I know. <laughs> it's
2: like, at least I've got some control over how I now react, I guess. <laughs> I'll settle for that.
1: What have you been playing to Pip?
2: Um, well, so. There are two things that I think would be cool to talk about. One is um, I actually went to the Dear Esther live concert thing when that was in Bristol, and that was an interesting experience. Um, but also I've remembered that I was playing um, part of the demo for In Other Waters, which is mm. a Kickstarter. Did oh, yeah. Did you play?
1: No, but I've heard of it. I've
3: only heard of it.
2: Okay, so... Um, as far as I've played, like, this obviously, it, it might, I guess there's a chance it might change to something completely different and become a, I don't know, a shooter, like a part way through. But, um, from what I've played so far, it's, um, you, essentially are interacting with another uh, with a life form via a series of dials and things because you're playing essentially as the ai of the suit that they're wearing on this ocean planet uh exploration thing and so what you're doing is you can only really respond yes or no or alter some of the things to like take samples of stuff or mm. direct exploration or do scans and things like that so it's this minimal interface and the um the storytelling is done very much via either the descriptions when you scan things on your little radar or via um the the person wearing the suit who is talking to you to get your responses and things um and so I've sort of started to tinker with that. And it's, there's a lovely kind of combination of, it reminds me a bit of Sundogs, which is a game which sort of had a, a I guess, a transhumanist sci-fi element where you were essentially going around this lovely minimalist um, solar system Um and but the majority of it was just sort of via the the words, and it was very rich, kind of prose, and really evocative, and told these really interesting stories. Um, so there's an element of that, um, but also it reminded me of uh, Mu Cartographer, if. Have either of you played that? <laughs>
0: I haven't played it again. It looks like a really interesting game that I haven't played.
2: It's really lovely because it essentially just gives you an interface with um just these different dials and switches and knobs and things. And what you're doing is you're essentially trying to interact with them to bring things into focus or into really and and that's just how you explore this little environment. And it's such a satisfying and beautiful experience and I really loved that um and so to sort of see another thing that taps into a similar um not urch but it kind of scratches the same itch I guess um and that was really lovely so I yeah I've started playing that I haven't seen all of where it's going and I'm slightly concerned because I think the Kickstarter is asking for something like twenty two thousand or something mm. and they've they're i think ten days in and they've raised seven or eight and mm. like it's doable but it's one of those things where the nature of kickstarter it feels that like you get the most at the beginning and at the end yeah and so this mid period doesn't you it's know it's a dead time yeah this yeah, is so way out of sure, date right? now
0: but long long ago i, I heard that uh Of projects that make it 50% of the way to their goal, 95% of them make it all the way to their goal. Mm. Uh, But that stat is A, very old, and B, it might just mean that, you know, 1% of projects get 10 times their goal and nothing else gets anything, (laughs) and you'd still get that stat.
2: Yeah. Like so, I don't want to say go invest in this thing because, like, that's for everyone who is vaguely interested to make a decision on their own finances and what they think they might get out of it and do their own little risk assessment. But I thought it was worth mentioning to put it on more people's radars as a, an interesting thing that they mm. might want to tinker with. And is it quite read sort of scripted? The,
1: the demo was like, is
2: there so so other things far? That it seems super- to me. I've played about I think I've played about half an hour's worth and that was you know sort of at the tail end of a work day when I'd sort of scratched out a bit of time for for testing things out um and so so far I've been exploring the the starting area and it seems to be still very much in hand-holding mode and so you you do little scans and and then the the thing says okay where do you think we should go and then you start to explore and um so far i've had to i've found a thing that started to affect the oxygen consumption of my suit like a life form of of the suit uh capacity and so that's when it uh, opens up the ability to sample things because you can you could maybe sample um the life form itself to synthesize a way of you know um, of of changing the filtration so that it's not affected by this stuff anymore or you can find something in the environment that is um, already making an antidote so you know sort of taking advantage of the local ecosystem mm-hmm. and so what I was doing was finding a thing in the in the area that had developed an immunity to that thing and seemed to be able to just withstand whatever it was the spores that it was putting out and so sampling that and then creating a thing that I would slot into the into the filtration system that would then mean that my person can now explore further Mm. in the thing and there's just really cute touches like when you um when you select like the positive response it kind of goes "Mm -mm." (laughs) <laughs> or, you know things like that and when, when you want to be negative it's like Mm-mm. <laughs> it's just, you know So it's just it's so minimal but and so abstracted you know when you're sampling things you're sort of basically changing the diameter of a circle on a little sub bit of the screen and then when you're trying to excise a bit of it you're just doing the same but with a triangle so it's you know like making these things intersect in the way that it wants you to but yeah, so it's there's something just quite little and pleasing and lovely about it so far. Um so yeah, I thought that was worth it was worth putting on people's so sort of putting in their orbits. <laughs> so yeah, in other waters, I believe it is called. So yeah. It's
1: by um is it Gareth Damien?
2: Yes, that thing? sounds From super Heterotopias,
1: familiar. which is a fanzine or Magazine about space and games and Mm. architecture and stuff.
2: I did not know that. But, mm, cool. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a thing. Um, And the demo is free of charge. Find it on (laughs) H-E-O.
0: There was actually, just showing me, there's a semi-newsy thing. Um, I don't know if you guys heard of a game called Last Man Sitting? No it's a uh uh deathmatch last man standing type game but you're all in office chairs (laughs) with shotguns (laughs) and when you fire your shotgun it propels you backwards on your office chair and so you just kill each other like that and it's just like um it's got a really nice look to it very kind of clean um uh it almost looks like like business software somehow (laughs) Um, and yeah it's just a, a very cool idea uh But I thought of it because they released a demo. Well, no, they released a game called Last Man Kicking. I saw that on Twitter. I was like, wait, is there another game called almost the same thing as the other one? And then looked into it. No, this is a a sort of demo of Last Man Sitting, but it's paid. It's like uh, two quid, I think, or maybe two dollars. And it's that, but it's a football mode. And the reason he's doing this, um, or the, the the developer, sorry, I actually don't know um, who they are, but the reason the developer is doing this is because their laptop has been destroying every hard drive that they put in it, and they've lost yeah. loads of work from it, and they can't afford to replace it. And so uh, they've got <laughs> loads of interest. Like this, this game has been really um, uh, creating a lot of buzz, um, and so they've released a demo, like kind of a demo, kind of a different game with the same using the, the same code. Um, uh, for a very low price on itch.io just to kind of raise funds to get a new laptop and continue development (laughs) of the main game which is um, actually makes a lot of sense
3: Mm.
0: Um, I don't know I have no I can't at all vouch for (laughs) whether shooting shotguns from office chairs to move a football around (laughs) is fun Seems like can't go far wrong. Oh,
2: seems like the sort of thing that would be entirely possible to replicate in the PC Gamer office. Like, <laughs> with, just
3: sort of, with sufficient <laughs> Nerf guns. Yeah. yeah,
2: sufficient Nerf guns or like in collaboration with the shooting magazines that future also.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, like hopefully the Kevlar magazines.
2: Sort of, yes, exactly. <laughs> sort of maybe using old issues of PCG as armour. like <laughs> <laughs> Just wrapping yourself in them.
0: Yeah, I wonder, is there anything sitting on a standard office chair mm. is there anything that is heavy enough that if you throw it it would repel you backwards it isn't, isn't so heavy that you can't throw it I think
2: it would <laughs> depend on like the coefficient of friction of your carpet
0: yeah, yeah maybe on like
1: a hardwood floor um, well, it used to be that the future floor was quite sort of sticky <laughs> but I think We're really back
0: in the sticky era yeah.
1: But then I think that it's been the floors have been changed since the
0: got
3: carpet. Ancient mate.
1: Got love <laughs> in the world. No way.
0: <laughs> you left too soon. Oh, got God. a new logo. The thing carpet. is, I
2: think it's more that like if you try and if you try and move yourself towards something, you do that thing of you move as forward as you do back. So you have to do that real sort of bum <laughs> shuffle of like yeah. you might as well have got up.
0: What is can can a physicist please explain to me at how how is it possible that like when you're on a wheelie chair, you can do a certain series of movements that move you forwards, right? Like you as you say, there is a bit of a back move to it as well. Yeah. But you can sort of finesse it such that the forward move actually does move you and the back move doesn't do yeah. so much.
3: Yeah.
0: It must be like dampen
1: the
2: Yeah, maybe the
1: backwash, whatever you could it <laughs>
2: But have you ever tried to move backwards in the same way? No. I suppose because you can just push off with your feet. <laughs> but I, I've just absolutely defaulted to doing the tiny run, you know, of like almost like oh. a little hamster, of like the, the desperate, like trotting of the feet.
0: <laughs> In my imagined scenario, the floor is lava, but there's lava that's solid enough for office chairs to walk <laughs> <laughs> on. <laughs>
1: So Bennett Fordy has a new game that no, maybe, right there.
0: <laughs> maybe it's electrified, because then like, the plastic wheels of your chair would not be, be any trouble, but that's the rubber soles of your shoes would? Nope, that doesn't
1: make any sense. You've no. got to wear metal shoes. <laughs> Look, there, there is that actual video
0: it's game. That's where
2: the armour comes in. Yeah, that's
1: perfect. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere.
2: So this brainstorming session is really <laughs> kicking off.
0: Okay, here's my real question. Is, would that office chair scooching trick work in space?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I think not, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. why would is... you
2: have an office chair in
1: space? <laughs> you got to sit down no. in space. Record scratch. <laughs> You're probably wondering how I got <laughs> in this <that> situation. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i really hope that you edit this to add in the record
0: <laughs> well in some ways isn't it more charming just to say records?
2: we've got technology at our disposal so. also
0: i'm saying that because i'm editing this
3: one
2: so dear esther <laughs>
3: yeah
2: um, yeah, so that was really interesting going along to because I haven't played that in years because obviously I guess you know I've played I've played the games that they have released in the meantime except for the console uh, the um, oh, daydream. Was a, yeah. Uh, was daydream yeah is it Daydream or is it cardboard I think or? it's
1: Daydream it was the Google VR. Daydream yeah
2: mm. um can't it's, it's called is it Suns... so let us melt yes yes
1: there's really nice music I so, know that much.
2: And
0: they also did. Everyone's gone to the rapture. right? They yeah. did, and a machine for
2: pigs. The oh, Amnesia, yeah. That one, I uh, played. one. So yeah, and it's kind of interesting because I hadn't. I, I was wondering whether it would stand up to revisiting and how it would be to sort of experience it in a room with other people. How is it as presented? Well. Is, is... So with so, somebody playing it. Yeah, what you have or what you had by the time they got to Bristol because they tweaked it over the run in various ways but broadly what you have is you have the uh, string quartet and you have the uh, conductor and you have um, a narrator and uh, a singer and also you have um, certainly at Bristol you had somebody playing the game and they are facing the same direction as the audience, and so the screens are sort of to you, so you can kind of see their perspective on things. But he was so still that I didn't know he was playing until (laughs) there was a loading screen, and I was suddenly like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, no, someone is playing this, because I was kind of, you know, I I think I assumed it would be, but... He definitely doesn't play it like a person on television plays video games, right? <laughs> like leaning <Really>? drastically <laughs> to the side and I suppose Daresta doesn't really lend itself either. He's more shit. Like I need to like really Power skid slide. around this
3: corner, you
2: know. Power
0: slide into that stanza. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, um, yeah, I'm going to take this cliff at a, <laughs> at a right clip. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was really interesting. And they've they've had to tweak it in a whole bunch of ways. Um, I, I'm going to do that trashy thing of saying, look out for the next PC gamer, because I spoke to Jess Curry about it afterwards. Um, was she there?
1: So, Did she go to all of the. Yeah,
2: because um, they. It, one of the things that she was saying um, was an interesting thing that she doesn't usually have to deal with because obviously working with a game you have a a level of control that is kind of absolute I mean people you know maybe they're uh, headphones and things will be slightly different but you get to exercise that sort of absolute control over when things kick in and kind of how the balance is and you know all of that stuff whereas when this thing was touring from place to place to place each venue just makes it sound different and you know has its own sort of character mm. that it adds into what you're doing and they've got a few hours and sound check and rehearsal and stuff to just make it, make it work and make it right and for that specific space and stuff and that was really interesting to, to think about in a way that I hadn't mm. needed to because before. it's a
1: performance of a game um, rather than a playing of a game isn't it
2: yeah and there's other things like how does it tell the narrator t- when to speak or like what yeah, to that, say Because
1: or... sort of the randomised element of the uh, the original the actual game how so, do they deal with that
2: yeah like so it there is there is a new build. It's just a, a a new build of the game. Um and so there's a bunch of stuff that's been done to sort of take into account that stuff. I won't go into the specifics of it because the magazine isn't out for a little while but from what she said in the um in the q a's afterwards because there was like a public q a after each thing which was really nice because it was um jessica and uh dan pinchbeck who's the other co-founder of um of the chinese room which is the studio um and so like they were talking about how Initially, obviously, you're sort of you're sending this stuff to uh, a computer and code is dealing with it. But for the for the live build, you couldn't have all of those crazy amount of permutations of different dialogue because a human would just be like, "I'm going to, I, I'm just going, Which I'm section going." Is it? Have I'm I read leaving. this one before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, just the 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 way of uh, feeding them that dialogue needed to change, and so and also, um, relatedly, the idea of having one shot to to tell people what you want them to get out of this, whereas... Because Dear Esther, in the way that it gives you those different permutations, was very much a game about going back in for another playthrough or talking to other people or mm. sort of like trying to sort of...
1: Also kind of... Yeah.
2: Construct based around yeah. a narrative that can be very confusing and interweaves in ways that don't necessarily make sense straight away Mm -hmm. or with the pieces that you might have in the current playthrough and stuff and so essentially what both of those things added up to was um Dan needing to make a kind of almost like an idealized script and kind of having you know some variation like a as you move through the or as the player moves through the world it it triggers these things and tells someone okay go to cue this um and so the narrator kind of notes but there it's within a smaller range and more manageable and a thing that a human can actually
1: with on stage
2: and did, things did like did
3: that did the
1: player go in a, like a shed and look at the bin for a while <laughs> <laughs> and kind of like look over the side of things and like oh is that something <laughs> or keep trying to open doors
0: yeah <laughs> well,
2: so this was a really oh, interesting thing seven
0: minutes walking to this door and doesn't fucking open
3: not
2: <laughs> so I wasn't really sure what was going to happen because I asked Chris how long the performance was because I wasn't sure you know when we needed to get back here for the last train and stuff and so he just told me I think what I think he just found a listing on a website rather than the actual information and so it had like a, a proper sort of um whole evening's worth of time blocked out for it and I was like do they get lost in a cave <laughs> or is this several playthroughs or something but it, you know it's, it's a kind of 70, 80 minute slice and it is you know a but it was really interesting because that was another reason that I didn't twig immediately that the person on stage was playing because they were moving so smoothly and not behaving how I behave in that <laughs> game like they weren't sort of challenging what it could do because I think the first thing that I did when I played Dear Esther was walk into the sea <laughs> to see whether I could you know because yeah. it deposits you on that jetty right and, and you're facing the um the that ruined Shed yeah, yeah. or uh, cottage or whatever I mean, it is, yeah. um, and certainly when I went back to it off the back of this, I did just turn around immediately turn around. and walked yep. into the sea Always. and died. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it does was... something kill you? No, it's um, basically every time. Certainly in the landmark edition, every time you do something like falling down a steep side of a cliff or down into a hole or into the sea or whatever it sort of does a very sort of organic fade out with kind of i think it's like a heartbeat noise mm. and so it sort of um bolsters that sense of this island might be a metaphorical sort of mm. manifestation of a, a human
0: um i would love to see like a sort of supercut of how various games all handle you just walking out into the water because <laughs> none of them want you to do it and they all have different
1: ways and there's like, the old there's the old get you to swim out for 100 yards and then put a wall there and you're going to swim back again
0: yeah that's Ooh. awful that's kind of the worst one there's um I think all sorts key, of it's tiny little keep
2: going but there's nothing out there so it's just like in your own
3: time <laughs> yeah so okay. Morrowind
0: and uh Morrowind had really neat thing where um uh the game's like up cells um, which are like big regions and if you swim out to sea it just keeps putting new regions in front of you so you actually can go forever I think I don't know if you ever <laughs> if you ever stopped uh, but there's just nothing out there because it's set on an island so it's the um, uh, you can just swim forever but most mm. games have some kind of like horrible fish or you start to drown or... or...
2: Yeah, or it just says just you the need out. to turn back. Yeah,
0: Leaving <laughs> so yeah, mission area. Was...
1: That could have been a choice for...
0: Desynchronising. Desynchronising. <laughs> it was really interesting to see what Subnautica does for this because it's like oh, yeah, it's already yeah. all sea, And you're like, what are you going to do? Oh, dangerous fish. So that's already what the whole game is. <laughs> uh, but it basically just pops up and says... There are only dangerous fish now. <laughs> like, yeah. From here on out, it's just the worst things. And also, worst the
2: um, the seabed just falls away. Oh, it's right. a proper like. Turns when I did into it, I was abyss. very much
3: I was very
0: much on the surface because I was terrified of what was beneath me already. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not <laughs> even looking down. So it's said like, oh, there's a sudden cliff, and beyond here is only uh leviathan class predators <laughs> didn't yeah. tell you that or did you just see them <laughs> yeah. you know like a robot voice just tells you that
2: <laughs> you can stay and see them if you want
1: no thanks <laughs> so it just uses fear that's probably the best move.
2: and also the fact that like the majority of your interest is in things that you can harvest and stuff that's on the seabed or growing out of the yeah. seabed and the fact that there's no seabed at this point you're like i might just I'm just going to go back over here, actually, thanks. <laughs>
0: actually, I really regret... Um, I looked at a map earlier. I've got really... I've made like 29 hours of Subnautica now. Um, and I won't talk about it in any detail. Because it's by the way, he's no way, listeners, he's
1: sneaking more Subnautica into it. <laughs> uh,
0: I regret looking at a map. If you don't look at a map of Subnautica if you're still playing it, because... Um, there's like a, there's a spoilery map that tells you where everything is, and there's another one that's just like the shape of it, like how big is it, where is the boundaries? And I looked at that and mm. I was like, oh really? <laughs> it was way smaller than I thought. When you're in it, it doesn't feel small at all. It feels like you go anywhere in any direction. That's just maps
2: for you though, isn't yeah.
0: it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually you can see the boundaries right in the map, like you know, um, uh, Morrowind. It's an island, so you can see the edge of the island and you know how far you can go. In this, because it's all sea anyway, I even though I'd been to one of the boundaries that is way closer than I thought it was. When I saw it on the map, it was way closer than I thought it was. Like in game, it just sort of felt further away somehow. So yeah, looking at the map has made the game feel smaller. And that explains why it doesn't have a map, like as far as I know anyway. Um, yeah, it's know, it, decision. A lot of the, you need to know where things are. And so you make beacons and you sort of, you try yeah. and do it yourself, but it never lets you see a map because I think it's it makes it lesser somehow.
1: Mm. I think that the, it sounds like they the The dear esther performance they they missed a trick in in having you know you know when you kind of do the wrong thing you feel kind of like the developer going no, 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 no. They could have had that because they were there. <laughs> Dan you, and Jess could have...
2: I was going to say, just one, Dan and Jess just standing off to one side, <laughs> yeah. just like shaking their heads, just going... Oh. idiot. <laughs> but yeah, so but that was another thing. So it was the 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 first moment that I, I kind of remembered I was watching a game was when that first loading screen kicks in. And that was a conscious decision that Jess was telling me that they made to leave that in to be sort of unapologetically a game it's which a was game. kind of interesting mm. because it did you know there was a kind of ripple of you know sort of uh, not exactly it wasn't laughter and it wasn't embarrassment but it was a kind of people were suddenly thing. kind of oh, oh it's real you know, <laughs> yeah and a sort of you know, a giggle, but that isn't because it's funny. It's yeah, there's a there's something more to it than that, and that was really interesting. It's it's shared
1: a... experience, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so I I'd be interested to talk to other people who had been, I guess, to see sort of what their experience was, or all of those kinds of things, because it's I'm used to seeing performances of games music in various capacities just because it's you know it's I think it's a not an easy way to translate that stuff but it's certainly a, a lot less of a constraint than you know having to build an entire new version of the game and figure out all of that stuff but um yeah, and so people do put on concerts and things, and I've been to... Uh, League of Legends tends to have a concert of their music before World Finals each year and stuff like that. So so it was an interesting experience to to see that, and so I've been thinking about different other games, like whether it would even be possible to do it, because Dear Esther kind of lends itself to that mm. in some very peculiar ways, whereas I was... Sort of saying I'd be interested in whether you could take a small segment of a game, like a fight sequence or something, and then translate that somehow to a live experience. Like, how would you Hmm. do that? Would you, you know, would you have on-stage foley artists, or would you have some sort of physical element, like to theatrically involve the the audience, almost like everybody in the audience Mm. is kind of on a gigantic sofa watching something. Like, how would you translate that experience or scale it up? And I don't know. I don't have an answer, but I'd be interested in other people's attempts to make it work somehow.
1: Yeah, I I must admit, I kind of, I never really saw the appeal of um, game soundtracks or even film soundtracks because they're so engineered for the, to be accompanying, you know, Mm that kind of either interactive or audio visual, you know, that visual kind of experience. And I think it like, obviously is. there are sort of standalone pieces of music, which kind of do work, but, um, I often find them lacking on their own, you know, hmm. there's an interesting thing with the transistor
0: soundtrack where it's about, you know, and just transistor is about a singer who has lost her voice, um, about many other things but that that is who you play and the soundtrack is your songs like the songs that you uh, that you played when you um were a singer and i can't remember if and when they appear in the game at all but on the soundtrack album there is a non-vocal version of every track and a vocal version of every track so you can actually hear the hear it sung or not sung Uh, i only remember hearing the instrumental versions in the in the game itself maybe like in cutscenes, there's vocal versions Mm. but um that's kind of a cool way to handle it.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah, I think I tend not to seek out music when I'm working because I find it too distracting. I would. I'm far less distracted by having old episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians or something on because <laughs> I'm. It, it, it's that the weird music. thing of like. <laughs> but you know what I mean. What? It's because I I can kind of like have just that chat going on in the background, and I find it less less um, demanding on my attention than a song I know and want to listen to or you know it says a lot about
1: Kardashians doesn't
2: it I think well it's because I've had them on for so long so many years they've been sort of going on in the background I guess (laughs) anyway (laughs) what I think I was getting at was I think the only um the only piece of games music that I do that with and it's not to sort of like throw shade on anyone else's stuff because it's it's such a weird thing but every time i'm writing about league of legends i put warriors (laughs) on repeat (laughs) and it's such a shame i'm in the mood it must be really messing with spotify's opinions (laughs) because it's like i don't even know what she's doing i mean obviously she's writing about league of legends right now but i don't what what What's going on, Pip? Like, what? What is this? And also, Spotify keeps trying to recommend me things that aren't Leonard Cohen or Mariah Carey, and I'm like, I don't. <laughs> he doesn't I know what to make of you think... at all. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I don't think you've understood what I'm about right now.
1: Just <laughs> the final, final challenge for AI. <laughs> <laughs> recommend Pip
2: some Honestly, music. she That's doesn't not that hard a
1: pattern to recognise,
0: is it? Oh, you only ever like it if it's. <laughs>
2: Well, this is the thing, though, because I—when is she going
1: to be writing about <laughs> the a next? The
2: the the thing that went around a while ago, you know, where Spotify basically profiled you and said, "Oh, you like this, this, and this," or you know, we this oh, yeah, type and of a music. A million
0: or, genre names came out of nowhere. It was
2: something, <laughs> and but I did try following that link, and it might it might have just been a glitch in the system or whatever. It genuinely it had nothing
3: for me. And I was like, but surely
2: I'm the simplest person. That you could ever have to profile because I think at that point it was the Moana soundtrack and Whitney. <laughs> and it's basically like you've got two things. You just say she's into two things. That's job done. <laughs> like, Amazon knows how to do this. <laughs> like, it's like, you buy
1: two things and work around those two things to you forever. How about another <laughs> Moana DVD? <laughs>
2: We've got one for the, for the loo, you know. We Actually, got for... through weird
0: circumstances, my mum has just bought on Amazon the whole Twilight Saga three times. Oh, wow. She and not only has no interest in watching it, but didn't know what it was. I had to explain to her what it was. Um,
2: what, before it all arrived? <laughs> yes. after,
1: I have to warn you, mum. After three copies. You've that got a wall of Twilight. This is what it means. Oh,
0: so her story is that uh, it's for um, a friend of hers who who wanted it um, but three uh, well that is that she ordered one and then she thinks it came but then she couldn't find it and because she couldn't find it anywhere it wasn't very expensive like four quid or something for the whole <laughs> trilogy uh, she just ordered it again uh, and then two copies showed up and so my theory is actually the first one never came and she just imagined it came <laughs> and so essentially it hadn't showed up yet and she just ordered the second one already uh, but if it's not that,
1: then
3: okay. <laughs> then <just> that <laughs> oh, wow. So anyway,
1: she's going to get amazing recommendations from the rest of us. <laughs> I was.
0: What do you say when your family says? So what is Twilight? <laughs> so I'm like, I can tell you the starting premise, but actually, that doesn't really capture the whole scope of how kind of horrific and terrible it gets. <laughs> and I haven't seen like I've a, a, a seen like little clips of, of bits, but like. I think um, Rachel Weber actually is the um. one who's kind of told me what happens in the mall, and it's just fucking horrific. <laughs>
2: it's like I'm team no one. This is this is terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, well, because I'm having the other problem with adverts and cookies and things. Because you know, obviously, it's slightly different to the Amazon thing, but Amazon does keep recommending me things that I already own. i bit like really, but I I went to. <laughs> This is so, I basically felt like Leela from Futurama when she's like, oh, you buy one pound of underwear and they never stop (laughs) sending you catalogs. Because I'd basically gone to Marks and Spencer's to be like, Maybe I should just get a multi-pack of pants, and then but and then I thought, no, I have some respect. I'm going to buy one pants, <laughs> and then like and from somewhere else for once, and then but now I'm being pursued by adverts for pants from Marks and Spencers across the entire internet. I've switched to incognito browsing just because it's like, I'm just. I I can't... And, And the thing is, you just want to explain. You want to sit the AI down and go, right, this is what happened. I need you to know this. And I just shut up, but I have that feeling about a lot of things, like the Fitbit. <laughs> it's like, look, we need to talk, because I yeah. need to tell you why why I seem to have fallen off the wagon.
3: <laughs> you look like that's you, but believe me, you
2: yeah. my life. I need you to know... <laughs> you don't know my life. That I, one day I left you at home, but I did go to my gym class. <laughs> <laughs> and there was another day where it sounds like I did a lot less, but, but here we are. <laughs> and so it's, yeah... I, I feel As like, I was walking, yeah. someone was
0: grabbing a wrist and putting it back where it was, so it didn't really move that
2: much. I really feel I did a lot more than you're giving me credit, and so on. And so, and there was a, yeah, I changed time zones. That wasn't factored yeah. <laughs> in.
1: Was like, how is that not factored in? an today? hour less. I know. Day.
2: Yeah, and so I, I really feel like with all of this AI thing, there should be a button for "let me explain." <laughs> <laughs> let me
0: explain. Please button. let me explain. That's why I've always like um, with Chrome. I was sort of not to track my history or anything because I can't explain the things I visit. <laughs> There's no accounting for this. I can try, but it will just sound defensive. <laughs> yeah. And so I turned that off, and then I found out recently that it was kind of back on without oh. me ever having re-enabled it. Not. Because they've kind of redefined it. Like, now Chrome doesn't track your thing, but your Google account does. And they have to. Or you can't use Google Assistant on your phone. I have a uh, Google uh, Pixel thingy, uh, mostly for the Assistant. And I like voice controls. They don't work at all. But <laughs> I like yeah. them anyway. And I, I want them to work. And uh, so, I like, Google did it. It's like, check your security settings. And I check my security settings. And then I actually discovered it has a check your privacy setting. So I went into that. And I was like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, and Google's just tracking every site I visit on every device, on every browser, on every machine I use Chrome on (laughs) and keeping a permanent log of it that is easily accessible without kind of like you know any extra security or anything I'm like no actually <laughs> no <laughs> can i flush that So what's and never more important did you
1: did you is, is google's listen less important it's, it's, than
0: that it's a moment it's, of truth isn't it, so yeah, it it's a is. dark search of the soul yeah. <laughs> it's more important that you don't look at what i visit or that i can say oh timer 6 minutes <laughs> have that, have that work. Like, and uh, <laughs> i mean those two things should not be in any way related because yeah. uh, if i asked you like Go to my favourite site, sure, you need to know my browsing history. But if I ask you, timer, six minutes, nothing about that involves my browsing history. But since turning it off, Google nothing. Assistant will not do anything for me. Just because you turned off web activity.
2: So I've gone Amazing. the other direction. But that means that Chris sometimes comes into the bedroom and finds me shouting, Hey, Google! And he's oh. like, well, firstly, it's OK, Google. Man. <laughs> hey, Google! Okay, right. Well, OK, Google... And then he's just like Yeah but you haven't Turned on voice commands Because you're afraid It's listening And I'm like Yeah but If it hears me say Okay Google It should know that Then it should start listening
0: <laughs> That's kind of what it, That's what it's supposed to do And actually Hey Google yeah, does work won't. now And then
2: it will tell The yeah, Fitbit That I was lying <laughs>
0: So it used to it used to be okay Google and I hated it and then they updated it to Hey Google does work now okay. although it, I, in my experience it was less reliable than Okay Google um, yeah it's
1: presumably that sort of um, I
3: don't know
0: it was because it I think it's just because it accepts both and so when you train it you give it like it used to be you give it four examples of you saying hey, Okay Google now you give it two examples of you say Okay Google and two examples of Hey Google <laughs> and that's not enough examples for it to work with so it doesn't recognise a bunch of times mm. you say it. and yeah in theory it's it's got I, there is an article somewhere of like. Um, Describing how this works, the low-level processing that is about Siri, but it must be the same technology for Google.
2: She only listens to Chris now.
0: Uh, she won't where? respond to me. It's, I have to get he here out?
2: to tell her what I want. <laughs> tell what? it. Tell it. <laughs> tell Siri. You
3: tell Siri. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So it's it's like a dog. It's only looking out for its own name. It doesn't really understand. <laughs> so it, it is listening to everything, but it isn't... I'm not um, cool with
2: that, but I do want it, it to still respond to me when i But actually, it.
0: one of the reasons I want to turn all this shit off is that it also, every time it has successfully recognized, hey, Google, whatever else uh, I say after that, it's also logging all that. And there's a permanent history of everything I've ever said to my phone. And it gets it wrong, you know We all know this, right? Except anyone reading your, your history of this Would instantly forget that fact And think you really did say this horrible thing to your phone <laughs> oh, like, that's
2: that's a, scary Why does thing. he
3: hate ducks so much? <laughs> <Yeah>. God
1: <laughs> So like we got, um yesterday We got a HomePod An Apple HomePod
2: What's that, that no. Alexa?
1: Alexa? That's, <laughs> that's the Apple um, speaker thing You know, right. like the Alexa it's really called a HomePod? It, HomePod Because it's like an iPod for the home. I would have thought it would be like Apple Home or whatever. Yeah. It's cool though. I
0: it's
3: thought really... they, yeah, I
2: thought they stopped pods. I thought... It, it, it... Stop pods? <laughs> no, as in I <laughs> thought stop they'd pod? stopped with the pods. Yeah, they haven't called things pods at all. No,
1: No, no, I thought they
2: were doubling down exist. on I, so wouldn't it be I-home? I don't know. Look, I... <laughs> I'm
0: not bloody Steve Jobs. Well, I was going by Apple TV. And
2: hey, Google. To, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> hey, Alexa. <laughs> ask Google why Apple would call this the
1: iHome. Why is, why is Siri?
2: Hey, Siri, tell Google.
0: <laughs> Do you see that? There's a wonderful video where someone's got, um, uh, I think it's a Google Home or whatever it's called, yeah. and uh, an Alexa and they tell the Alexa to set a calendar event called, Hey Google, set a calendar event called So that one triggers the other and they just go in an infinite loop. They just, cause oh, every, when they set a calendar event, they convert it back to you. They read it back to you. Yeah. And the reading it back triggers the other one. That's
1: <laughs> yeah, beautiful.
2: There was a really snidey exchange. I can't remember the exact wording. I wish Chris was here for this, but like I was, he didn't want to sort of, cause I, I fall asleep listening to stories. And when I didn't fancy having my headphones in. I was like, hey Chris, tell me a story. And he's like, oh, I want to go to sleep. <laughs> and I was like, hey Siri, hey Chris, tell Siri, <laughs> tell me a story. And then Siri was just like, another one. <laughs> <laughs> What's Chris been doing?
1: Chris has been asking, it's, Siri's it's been like, told it's telling Chris's story. the exact stories.
2: same thing had happened the previous week. <laughs> but it was, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was something like that. It was basically her being really snippy with me. <laughs> like,
0: my niece who too five. many people
1: in this
3: relationship.
0: <laughs> My niece who was five asked Alexa um uh she said, Alexa, uh play the bakery song. I don't know what the bakery song is, but I assume it exists. And it played um uh a song by the white stripes that had like death in the title. <laughs> <on. laughs> it was like <laughs> really nasty she died outside the, the bakery stripes. something like that yeah oh my God. <laughs> and it was like it was loud and it was even um, uh, you know the white stripes would not have been quite the vibe she was going for but even for the white stripes it was more on the heavy side and the, the kind of angry side and then because
1: it was so loud she couldn't really hear us telling her to stop <laughs> <laughs> I asked um, our home pod to put on your i-home Uh, eye home. uh Nirvana's Nevermind because my son likes it a lot and he sings along with it it's the cutest thing in the world
3: oh.
1: uh, and he uh, and HomePod I
2: Home so right now.
1: first played an easy listening version of of um, uh, so not Nevermind it's some um, you know oh god the main song of
2: you mean Smells Like Teen Spirit? Smells Like Teen spirit. Like
1: spirit. I did say that to Tyron Pod. I just momentarily forgot uh-huh. uh, it, uh-huh. it. played It played <laughs> an easy listening version. it. so much time version. has elapsed
2: since you were last <laughs> school.
1: <laughs> and then it played like a nursery school version of it. What? Like, you know, obviously joke ones. Oh, is
2: this a so like, lullaby one. Pl- one?
1: Pl- it sounded like it. Yeah. yeah. it's like,
2: what <laughs> are you doing? Play me the most <laughs> obvious one. Why would you not one? play me? It's like, it's really messy with play, you. It's really please, passive-aggressive. So we play... Solidity
1: sort of like Spirit, by Nirvana. Okay then. As if nothing was up at all. I no way to it. Well, why didn't you say so? Oh,
2: God. But then it might mean that the other ones are more popular, which is a whole yeah. other...
1: Well, it might Actually, be so
0: stupid. The response we eventually got for the bakery song, once you did understand what we said, was um, uh, that that wasn't available unless you subscribe to Amazon Music. <laughs> <laughs> It's so like, the two worst responses. Get it inappropriately wrong, wrong, play something bad for the person who's listening, <laughs> and then secondly, try to upset. Hey. It, just yeah.
2: <laughs> if you do not want to listen to this other song, pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, technology's... Hey, Tom, what have you been playing?
0: I... I've been playing Subnautica, but I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, but today, because. you're
2: logging in, I was very excited. Because,
0: because I've only been playing Subnautica, I thought, shit, I've got to play something else with podcasts because I can't talk about Subnautica. Um, he, although he has, you'll have noticed.
2: <laughs> yeah, how's that going?
0: <laughs> I deny this. Um, I have instead been playing Octogedon, which is uh, George Fan's new thing. George Fan is the creator of Plants vs. Zombies. And if you didn't know that and you played Lockergeddon, you'd be like, this is by the creator of Plants vs. Zombies. (laughs) 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 My God, does he have a signature? Uh, I saw the
2: artwork. It looked quite,
0: yeah. Yeah, he got really screwed, it seems, at PopCap slash EA. You know, he made Plants vs. Zombies and then, um, I think he was actually fired. I don't, I wouldn't swear to the circumstances, but I don't think he left of his own volition. I think it was like, he was actually kind of let go. Um, And then, of course, they did Plants vs. Zombies 2, which had this microtransaction system in it, which obviously caused problems. And it was like, it wasn't the end of the world in terms of the game, but also the game had other problems. And um, uh, it's kind of slid the reputation. And then of course, EA yeah, have been building on it ever since and, and trying to do like first person plants versus zombies. <laughs> and uh, George Fan did an AMA on Reddit recently, in which it was pretty clear he was quite upset about <laughs> what they've done to it. Um or I think you just said something like they've taken it a direction I would not have taken it in, uh, and he disagreed with the microtransaction system. Um, uh, but now he's in the EN and he's um, uh, really started to get him. Which is from looking at it, I just thought it was a hundred percent different to, to Plants vs Zombies. It's you're an octopus; each of your limbs you can kind of replace with different things. Um, the, the, the story is, you're an octopus watching YouTube, and <laughs> you, you see a video of some, like, sushi preparation, and you're really excited to, to watch the sushi preparation, and then you see the guy slicing a tentacle, and you're like,
1: what?
0: And then you go on a rampage and destroy New York. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but by replacing his tentacles with kind of things, surely he's slicing his own tentacles up.
0: <laughs> you would think. I'm watching a sl- tentacle being sliced and I'm like, oh, so that's how the, the, the things get grafted on. No, no. He's, is he's He's just saying angry to about
2: sushi that. videos at the start. I don't know.
0: That's strange, too. I mean, I guess he eats fish, I imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Okay. Yeah. Right. Or fishy yeah. things. Yeah. Okay. No, that's I'd so like, oh, oh, okay, cool. like, love rice. Stop. Got octopuses love rice. It's every chapter begins with him seeing something on TV or YouTube that makes him mad. him. But it's like, the first one is like, okay, sushi, yeah, they, they you know, uh, use... Uh tentacle based creatures in that sometimes and that would make you angry and the next one is like a stand-up comedian mocking octopuses that does not happen that much actually (laughs) I I won't swear to be like a connoisseur of the comedy scene but I I haven't seen that many jokes about octopuses are you saying that's not relatable content and then it's like later on there's a fight between like Godzilla and a a giant octopus and Godzilla just really humiliates the giant octopus and so that's what drives me crazy on that one like when the stand-up comedian mocks the octopus he destroys Sydney Opera House, which sort of somehow implies the stand up comedian was in Sydney Opera House. I don't know if that's what they do there. It's a singing
1: comedian.
0: <laughs> Maybe it is. Um, anyway, all of that is praise, by the way. <laughs> all of my narrative issues with this are 100% positive. <laughs> and uh, the mechanics are you are an octopus. You st- strangely, so all of the important things about this game are unexplained. Like, why you're angry with New York is totally explained thoroughly. But why you only have two tentacles is not explained. <laughs> uh, why you can graft other creatures onto your tentacles is not explained. That's the core mechanic of the game. So you start off with just two tentacles and, like, you, like submarines come towards you and you have to point a tentacle at them. There are only two buttons, just left and right, and it's just rotate like, clockwise or anticlockwise. Um and you want to rotate your tentacle so it's pointing at the submarine when it comes towards you, and it does just enough damage as to hit them twice, and it only hits twice a second, but that's just enough that it kills the sub before it hits you, so you don't take any damage. If you don't point your tentacle towards it, it hits your, your core, you know, your actual head, and then you take damage. And your you... soft, cephalopodic yeah. head. <laughs> You've only got three hit points. Um, that's just the... And then <laughs> <laughs> it starts very, very slow, and I mention this because I'll come back to it later, Um Just like Plants vs. Zombies. Plants vs. Zombies like the first couple of levels. You can only plant one plant and you can only plant it in one place and then it hits a zombie and it has to hit him like seven times before he dies or something. And it's just... There's nothing to do for a long time. But on the plus side, it is inherently understandable. You're never confused. It's always... You're fed information at a rate you can easily cope with, no matter who you are, no matter what your experience is. And so that's why it's so accessible and so popular. Um, It leads you in really generally... And this does that as well. Uh, so early on, you just have two tentacles. You can't choose what they are. They're just tentacles. You just point them at things, and they just do some damage. And then eventually, you unlock the ability to, to graft other creatures onto your tentacles. This is not explained. <laughs> there's, there's some like, shots of some lab equipment, and then like an egg and stuff. And then, an egg?
3: Yeah, there's an egg. <laughs> and then, like,
0: now, you can turn one of your tentacles into either a crab claw or a snake mouth. And a snake mouth will spit venom at your enemies, and a crab claw will snip them when they come in range. And the crab claw does massive damage, like all crabs. Um, and the snake does light damage, but it's ranged. But the range is very limited. And the, the snake is very much like a pea shooter from Plants vs. Zombies. And so there's that, and then there's like. The more you play it, the more you see Plants versus Zombies parallel. So there are two types of levels. Plants vs. Zombies had like day levels and night levels. This oh, yeah. has underwater levels and on-land levels. So in underwater levels, you are just floating in, in uh, the sea, and all you do is rotate left or right. And uh, that determines, you know, if you have one of your limbs is like crab claw, and one of your limbs is a snake thing that's spitting when something comes towards you you might want to point the snake mouth towards it so it hits it to range and then if it's a really big heavy submarine you want to point your crab claw towards it because it will destroy it in one hit Um, and then between levels you can choose to either uh, buy a new attachment to one of your tentacles so instead of a snake mouth now it's a chicken mouth okay so bear with me (laughs) it's a chicken mouth that vomits eggs (laughs) Back to eggs, good. The eggs explode and do splash damage. That's Which... basically
2: Banjo-Kazooie, isn't it? It's a...
0: yeah. I haven't played that, but...
2: So, okay. <laughs> there was a uh, it was a mini game and also possibly I think in the second banjo Kazooie Basically, you could use different types of eggs, and some of them were like grenade eggs, and you could <laughs> hold Kazooie like a kind of FPS gun and fire. Use her to fire like you know eggs, but there's, eggs there's that the were grenades.
0: There's this amount of indulgence that players go into games with, or certain kinds of players go into <laughs> games with. And George Van here is using a hundred percent of that indulgence it's like okay octopus octopus is a creature of some kind therefore any kind of creature we can graft that on that makes sense there's no can't question that We're chicken head yep we grafted on uh and then chickens chickens are associated with eggs so they can vomit eggs i'm pretty sure they can vomit eggs that's fine that's just how that works. definitely come
1: out of the mouth
0: <laughs> it's, it's a throat-based projection system and then eggs eggs are a an object of some kind, therefore can it, it can explode and do splash damage. <laughs> if you break an egg, something comes out, it doesn't, the damage is not localised to the egg shape. It can, <laughs> it can affect an area larger than it, therefore it's an explosion. that's general. It's
1: <laughs> shrapnel, yeah. It's just
0: at every stage. It's just, uh, what's the maximum leeway you can give me here? Because <laughs> I'm going to use all of <laughs> them. Um, and, and then, yeah, during the levels, all you do is just Figure out which of your limbs should be pointing in which direction, and obviously, as uh, between levels you choose, either you can put new animals on your tentacles or you can buy a new tentacle. So you start off with two, and any you gain from there on, like the first ones. $250 to add a new tentacle to your octopus that really <laughs> should have eight tentacles. It's very good value. It's, it's, like, it's not that you can't write a game about an octopus with, with less than eight tentacles, but you've got to explain it. <laughs> sure. like, that's got to be lampshaded at some point. Why do I have two tentacles? It's like the only thing I know about octopuses is they have eight tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> no you have to unless you buy more <laughs> and then I don't even know like that that already has breached the only thing I knew so now I don't know can you only have 8 or does it go higher <laughs> like why wouldn't it go like if it stops me at 8 part of my brain was like of course it stops me at 8 it's an octopus the other part of my brain was like why do I only have 2 of an <laughs> like if that's the rule I wouldn't just have 2 so if that's not the rule I should be able to have as many as I like anyway <laughs> you uh <laughs> Buying a new tentacle is an interesting decision because initially they're pointing opposite each other. So when you buy a third one, now they're pointing in three different directions, equidistant from each other. If you buy a fourth, they're sort of quarters. Um,
2: so are they? So is it that that you have to take into account the head, or is the head behind? Like, how were we...
0: The head is in the middle, and all the things kind oh, in directions. So
2: you're sort of top-downing on the octopus. Uh,
0: Side-on, kind of, but yeah. Side-on,
2: top-down. Cool. <laughs> Good.
0: Side-down, if you will.
2: Because underwater, we're fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you, when you go on land... Uh, so underwater, all you do is rotation. When you go on land, you're still rotating, but rotating rolls you along the land. And the bottom... set of your arms are squished against the land and they can't fire
2: this all checks out Tom yeah it makes sense that's absolute absolute
0: physics that is yeah you're angry about sushi so
3: physics
0: total (laughs) phase physics you're angry about sushi so you have to destroy the scepter of liberty and that's your objective so you, there are a couple of water so levels you're rolling towards... then you roll onto what, the coast because she's
2: and... holding a torch and a plate of sushi
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I believe that's how it works out. yeah <laughs> uh, and yeah the land levels, land levels are more interesting because you, you have things like oh I want to rotate so that this that like the core arm hits this heavy sub but actually it's on land the What's, way how' in... how's the sub Okay, there's no subs on land,
1: but there's, okay. there's, there's heavy I thought that planes. was just an extra level of kind of believability where... It, it wouldn't feel like it was
0: stretching the existing fiction <laughs> if there was a sub coming from the sky, but I, in fairness, I don't think I've ever seen that specific scenario. Or planes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the
2: subs of the sky.
0: It's... It's surprising how much you start to realise... It's surprising how much it starts to feel like faster with zombies. It's like, the snake head is the pea shooter, and then there's an upgraded snake. There's a cobra, and that's a faster shooter, which is like the, the double pea shooter. Yeah. Twin pea shooter, or whatever it's called. And then there's a king cobra, which is an even faster version. And then, um, like, just stuff like bosses, when they take damage, they're, like there's one with like a weird eye in the middle of a giant robot and it starts to look really sad and you start to defeat it and it reminds you of the tall nut from uh Plans of zombies where it starts to cry when it takes damage <laughs> and uh, his style is just uh, there through and through and it really feels like it and then the shop instead of being crazy dave it's a catfish <laughs> who is also kind of crazy and yells at you while you're shopping <laughs> um, and it's just like so much of the format matches it totally and as you're playing it you realize oh this is in a weird way this is a tower defense game it's just that i rotate the towers and i decide which tower fires at which enemy
3: Mm. um
0: and they are it's very passive you don't you don't decide when they fire they all fire in a cycle so like if you have projectile ones they just um i fire bit by bit uh i have it is really fun It, it gets um it's much more addictive than i expected it's much more uh satisfying than i expected it feels like it needed more testing to me. Plants vs. Zombies. In this AMA that he did, um, somebody asked him a question like, was it hard to name all the zombie types or was it hard to balance all the plant types or something like that? And his reply was, uh, it probably would have been but we had a year to do it. So it was fine. And so it sounds to me like Plants vs. Zombies was like finished a year before release, Mm -hmm. which is also true of Portal. And those are like two games that are so widely regarded as like, perfect or just the best of their genre just like if you finish a game and then you have a year for some production reason like it's not going to come out right now you just tinker with it for a year afterwards it gets to this extra level of like it transcends the genre like people who don't give a shit about the genre suddenly
2: love this thing are you now thing. answering your own question about why Into the Breach hadn't come out
3: for <laughs> ages this is what can you still be doing <laughs> this
0: is why those guys are better than me because I'm like look at this it's fucking great fucking release it now and they're the ones who wait another year
2: <laughs> like a living me also me tweet <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
0: yeah. exactly
2: is it on mobile as well? You would think,
0: right? It's, it's two <laughs> buttons. I would. and I, I thought Surely I there wouldn't. isn't it's two buttons. Is it, This would be so easy to do on mobile. You just like touch the left-hand side of the screen or the right-hand side of the screen. But no, it's only on Steam so far. Huh. As far as I can see. I searched for, like, you know, uh, Octogeddon iOS, Octogeddon Android. No results. Huh. Oh, hmm. well, not no results, but all the
1: results are about the Steam version. Um, there again, the Zombies came out on on pc first
0: yeah it, it actually might be quite a smart play because i think the mobile markets are both things where you just die mm. if you don't have an existing audience and you should by rights have an existing audience but obviously you know if you go if you go to are, apple with
1: hey it's really popular on steam
0: yeah exactly steam is steam is the place where you can succeed by being good potentially yeah. you don't always but it it's, can happen um and yeah so succeeding there first makes sense i think um and yeah, it's it's really good, but I did have I have a couple problems with it. One is, it's much more like a roguelike than Plants vs. Zombies. So when you die, you run out of hearts, you lose a life, and then when you run out of lives, you just have to start the whole game again. Hmm. And then, those first two levels where there's just nothing going on... Just go back to them. Yeah, you have <laughs> no options, you just have tentacles, like, 180 degrees separated, and you just have to rotate those towards whatever enemies are coming towards you. There's just zero gameplay in that. So that, that just, it felt the way, slow like, the properly. first time I played it. The second yeah. time I played it, I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing here? This is yeah. ridiculous." Two. And there is two,
1: this first you exhausted. Two 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 tentacles. Why? And now it's two tentacles. Why?
0: <laughs>
3: so there is there is an
0: upgrade. There's the second economy. So like within a uh, a round, you're earning dollars and you spend the dollars to buy chickens that vomit chickens. explosive Fancy eggs chickens. and, yeah. and uh, that kind of thing and then when you die you keep earning shells all the time and I'm always wondering well, When do I spend the shells When do I spend the shells it's never come up only when you die do you spend the shells, is, the, that, the the shells is that a
2: crazy catfishes yeah, shack of yeah, exactly. dreams
0: and every now and then while, while you're shopping he'll just suddenly slap his fins down on the counter <laughs> 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 it's great um, and uh, you buy things like, uh, I would like, uh, an extra heart when I start or one extra life, or I would like to unlock this new creature type that I didn't have access to before. And that'll come up in all, uh, every time I can upgrade my, myself, um, and one of those is skip the first two levels. You have to buy Yeah, it really just should happen automatically because it's just bad. It's just a bad experience to do that. And it it sucks to have to spend currency just to say, I don't want the game to be boring forever, please. Um, And then my other problem with it is there's one of the things you can turn your tentacles into is bees. 100% on board. That's not the negative yet. (laughs) Just to clarify. (laughs) Uh, But the bees are too good. The bees are homing missiles. The bees are
2: OP, obviously. Yeah.
0: B's are um, op. Uh, B O P, the famous bop, bop. bop conundrum. The
3: <laughs> uh,
1: notorious B O P. So
0: homing homing attacks in in games of this kind, and there aren't games exactly like this. But there are. I can't remember what it is. There is some other game with homing homing attacks in it that I have this exact. <laughs> issue with which is that they're really fucking good like if it homes yeah. the two advantages it has are you don't if there's one big damage there's three advantages <laughs>
3: just me of one. <laughs> no
0: there are three advantages Incredibly, to the PLP.
3: the two advantages I was thinking of
0: worked that you don't have to aim <laughs> number one is okay so if there's loads of really hard to hit moving enemies all over the shop there's loads of them uh, I like, homing ranged attack is perfect, because you don't have to aim at them. Doesn't matter how much they're moving, you're going to hit them. All the damage you do is going to enemies. That is incredibly efficient compared to any kind of manual aiming. Uh, either melee or ranged. Anything that you have to point, you know, 70% of the time you're not doing damage, because you can't get round to the thing that you want to hit exactly the way you want to hit. Anything homing is incredibly efficient. It's just hitting everything all the time. Uh, then, if there is a one big damage... Enemy, you might think that would be the counter to this because it's so good at the small, yes. low health range, uh, uh, many enemies. But no, because all of your stuff is hitting it, so you're having a really efficient damage output. And again, if you have, particularly in this game, if you have like you know six limbs, uh, you can only point one of them at the enemy. If some of them home, not all of them are going to hit because there's a limit to how much they can home. But like the one you're pointing at them is going to home, is going to hit it. The one to the left is going to hit it. The one to the right is going to hit it. And so you're doing three times... Even if the thing is only half as much damage as a normal thing, you're doing three of them. So you're doing 150% damage instead of 100% of damage. So it's just better in nearly every circumstance. And because you don't have to aim it, when, there are, when it gets more difficult, it's a boss or, or a crazy wave. It does the same thing as passive zombies, whereas there's a huge wave of enemies is incoming. When that happens... Uh, the extra challenge that it adds is now there's loads of like bullets flying around or loads of enemies and now I need to think about where I'm positioning myself and how I avoid those. If you have homing weapons, you can focus 100% on that because you don't need to aim. (laughs) So you just don't need to think about it and you can avoid that stuff way better. So you're just better at everything. I'm better at small enemies. I'm better at single target enemies. I'm better at dodging things. And I just went for bees. I went for the old... Lobster, lobster, bees, 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 bees. <laughs> Configuration. <laughs> ah The lobster lobster bees. Bee bee. I believe Sun Tzu said something about this. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: thing is though, one would assume that the natural Balancing element of bees is that they die after they <laughs> yeah. do their one thing that they are like really yep. problematic. Just flinging or... them out, it's just
0: flinging them out. In fairness, so... they, they die after they do damage in this.
2: Oh, so you've just got infinite bees? It's but not just you like keep you've got one. Oh, yeah, bee.
0: yeah. Sorry, there's. I think. You know what?
1: I can't. 100 remember. It. Is your tentacle but now? Five.
2: no. I think
0: it's bees that oh. spit bees. <laughs> and I'm not going to answer to the biological ramifications of that. George Fan has to answer to the biological ramifications of that. <laughs> uh, God, uh, underwater out out your spit but this is a, yet, just yet spit another hide. thing that's really good about the bees is that they have basically limitless range. They'll they'll not only heat sink but go as far as as you know the screen. Whereas the snake that spits venom in a direct line, it, it expires after like a meter. It goes really short range and just disappears. So it only works when things are close to you. That sucks. <laughs> things that heat seek and a long range and you do more damage overall because it's more efficient... It's just better in every way. And I remember before I even played the game, George his AMA, someone asked him, like, what build do you play with? And he says, Oh, I hear a lot of people do with like a mostly bees build plus something else. Uh, but I like to have one of everything. And I'm like,
1: uh, You're just now saying that because you want them to be
3: good. Yeah, exactly. Like
0: if, I mean if, if you as the designer weren't picking one of everything, you would probably buff or nerf whatever it is that you do. <laughs> I were love all, all my tentacles
3: equally. <laughs> yeah.
0: But the fact that lots of players are picking this. Uh, like, I could literally, you know, uh, it gets harder and harder, it goes along. in theory. But once I had, like,
1: bees, 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 lobster bees, bees, <laughs>
0: lobster bees. The thing is, the lobsters are holding it back. If I could have had bees, 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 I would have been sorted. What was uh, stopping
2: you from the bees? The you
0: only old bees get all the time. When you get to the shop, there's only like three slots that it, it can give you things, and it randomizes what's uh... in the slots. And I, I think I was lucky to get so many bees offered to me,
3: and I always <laughs> bought them.
0: Uh, and so, like the only the only arms I had that weren't bees were just things that, like, oh, I can afford to buy a new arm and put a bee on it rather than
2: I can only buy <laughs> if you one like bee. It, then you should have put a bee on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that doesn't even work. Oh, if you like it, then you should have put a sting on it. that's <laughs> a slow burn joke.
1: Version <laughs> two.
2: I've workshopped that if you could just <laughs> chop that first bit out and that would be fine. I
0: will definitely do this. Me, the diligent editor.
2: <laughs> then the record scratch goes here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's an octopus with like, eight to be arms. You're probably wondering how I got in this situation. <laughs> oh.
3: Oh. How much so, is yeah. it? But how many you
0: I don't know that. I, I did buy it, but I can't remember how much I favorite.
2: But is it I uh, I'm guessing is it it's expensive? not like a is fifty-five it? quid with DLC. No, no, no.
0: It's uh I would, I think it might be like ten dollars.
3: Okay.
0: Or <laughs> seven pounds maybe. Um it's uh the a few interesting things about it. Um so when you as you progress you encounter more different enemies, some which are harder. I just recently encountered stealth enemies which was the only thing that have ever been resistant to my homing technique the thing I was going to say about homing actually was once I had like four or five bees, I had a level where I literally didn't have to touch a key I just sat back didn't matter which direction I was placing didn't have to rotate in any way at all the homing was such that I just literally destroyed every enemy the second they came on screen anyway and uh, that was maybe a bit much Um, (laughs) but uh, what was I saying before that no gods
1: no monsters only bees. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> Gibby! I feel like that wasn't what
2: I was saying. You were t- saying about what the problems with it were, or what you liked. But there was something. There was a fact that you just. <laughs>
0: it was about what I liked and what I didn't like. It was
3: one of those two things.
2: Because <laughs> I remember thinking, "Wow, the other stuff wasn't that." Like I was, but you've been so exhaustive, and so I was really interested. You can't in still what be you talking about this <laughs> i was actually really interested in what you might say because, like, but there's already been so many things, so many topics of conversation. (laughs) but I couldn't really narrow it down
0: (laughs) an interesting thing about it is that you unlock these new enemy types and I've just encountered uh, stealth subs that come towards me maybe not in the sky I can't swear that they're not in the sky (laughs) Um, and you can't target them at all until you detect them if they get really close to you you detect them but obviously by then it's kind of too late unless you're directly aiming a weapon at them Um, so there's a new thing called the anglerfish which can detect stealth things. It's like a kind of beam that you point at them. And, uh, so you point
1: at them and then fire at them.
0: Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Um, although, you know, it was, the stealth mechanic is introduced at the same time the anglerfish is introduced, so you just buy the anglerfish. Like every time it introduces a new thing for the first time, you just know buy this because the next level is going to kill you if you don't buy this. So I like, like how
3: that
2: has literally no bearing on how anglerfish work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they have like a light thing. But it's not to expose
2: stealth.
0: The
1: stealth subs can't resist the
0: anglerfish. They
2: themselves are stealth because the light is the yeah. distraction. Yeah.
1: I would have the used the dolphin to, and then the dolphin <laughs> would do so Look, this is a game where yeah.
0: if yes. you
2: get Or the beluga yeah, whale with the melon Yeah
0: mm. Beluga whale be Those better. are both good answers <laughs> If you get a penguin in this game it freezes things because penguins come from a cold place therefore they breathe They wield they cold They breathe ice in the same sense that, like, So
2: they've caused their Why don't they figure out global warming then?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that might be outside the scope If they're so great at
2: game. ice <laughs> If, hey, if you penguins You're are so, so great, great at ice. Ice. Hey,
0: why are you breathing ice on me? Why can't you answer me this, motherfucker? It's very
2: much we're four gins into this podcast kind of point, isn't it? <laughs> <The> <laughs>
0: interesting thing about, about
1: it, is He's in. that
0: as you unlock these enemies... Oh, so has been boring oh, up until now. When you, when you die and you do restart in the roguelike fashion, uh, all those you have access to all these new... Uh, tentacle types that you've unlocked that you can buy them in the shop if they happen to come up through random chance. You can also pay to expand your, your shop slots so you get more options. But also, all the enemies you've discovered can now be used in the, like, the first level and the second level. So these early levels that were very straightforward originally um, can have okay. nasty enemies. So last time I restarted, I have now bought the, the shortcut where to get the first two levels because they really are garbage. Um, but the the first level that I did play had stealth subs in it. And I had no opportunity to buy the anglerfish. So it's just, I. the only thing I can do is wait for them to get like a meter away from me. And then I have to be aiming at them when that happens. And that's a whole different game. And also what you're offered is different. So, you know, um, you might only be offered, uh, the only good thing you're offered is the the egg vomiting chicken. <laughs> so you're like, <laughs> maybe I'm going for a splash damage run, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and whether you get more tentacles or 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 better stuff is kind of up to you as well. So you could like, um, when I had the homing hornets, uh, bees or whatever they were, I can't remember. <laughs> 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 they're hornets.
2: That I know things. it's
0: late in the game to introduce this. They might've been hornets rather than no, bees.
2: Really, that. <laughs> you need to rebalance for hornets. The word bees is funnier
0: though. <laughs> but so even if you have four, four bees and you want to keep your four bees and they're amazing, the fact that you're being offered like new stuff doesn't mean like you're sacrificing any of those bees. You could instead add a new tentacle and put something else on it. And not only are you not sacrificing any of your bees, but your bees are now being kind of pushed closer to each other.
3: Which uh, okay. is a good
0: thing because on the land levels, you don't want any of them to be like scrunched under mm. you. You mm. kind of want to scrunch all the other stuff under you so that now all four of your bees all are on the same 100% side. Bees. It's just all bees all the way. <laughs> that wins.
2: All I can think of is the Oprah gif of like. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone she gets just releases bees. bees On the whole audience Yeah I mean it, That's fine I like that
3: gif
0: <laughs> Bees I would say like In video games Bees are always Strongly on, on the side Of the player <laughs> When bees are a weapon They're incredibly effective
3: They are never
2: On the side of the player I've played Dote Starve Let's not go Talking uh, I
0: haven't I have encountered them In Dote Starve
2: Up bees They're, they're
0: friendly In I shell There are some My, my theory is There are She's certain creatures
2: Injections Can't deal with it
0: there are certain creatures that game developers overestimate, and the strongest example I have is dogs as enemies. Game developers think dogs are like ninety times more powerful than a tank. They're just like red alert. If a <laughs> dog fucking game. dog gets near you, I would nuke the whole area rather than deal with a dog. It's just, is that just true? the dog is gonna murder every single what human games I have. have you- and then, like Call of Duty, you know, any guy with an AK-47 I can take out, but a fucking dog gets near me. Like, it just triggers a cutscene where I just have to like do this crazy quick time event because there's nothing I can do about that fucking dog. Mega dog. So my theory, and I admit I hadn't thought it through fully, is dogs. That dogs got
2: backwards.
1: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's so true.
2: It only sounds profound through the Vale of
3: Gordons.
1: <laughs> the Vale of Gordons.
3: Oh, sorry, Tom. I
0: was thinking... Game developers overestimate the effectiveness of dogs as enemies and the effectiveness of bees as allies. That's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> in, in practice, neither. Dogs are not that scary and bees are not that useful.
3: <laughs> Do you
2: think that it's because current game developers may have grown up in the 80s where My Girl and Beethoven were? <laughs> <laughs> Prevalent. <laughs> so in my girl, obviously, you'd get the impression that bees are just not to be trifled with. <laughs> and then you know, with um, with Beethoven, it's just like that's a terrifying thing. Is Beethoven
1: an uncommonly powerful dog? <laughs> I remember it being a, <laughs> I remember it being quite crushed in, in, in the poster, and that's all I remember. He,
2: he was a very strong dog. <laughs> very with, strong. Uh, dog. very, very willful.
1: A willful strong <laughs> I bet that led to all kinds of <laughs> adventures. I can't imagine that led to an uneventful life.
2: I do believe that David Dacovny was the villain of the piece. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can't believe that. I
2: know. He's
1: always a goodie in my eyes. <laughs> apart from when he's not.
2: What was K-9
0: like? I feel like I watched that movie. Uh, that was like Tom
1: oh, Hanks. Oh, I thought you were That getting, was, that I was the unlikely that, yeah. relationship between a, ma- a policeman and, and his dog, wasn't it? Yeah. Isn't that quite a sort a... of
0: institutionalised relationship now? I <laughs> just have dogs. Yeah. Like, last time I went to Seattle... Uh, I was asked to sort of permit a dog to sniff my bag and to sort of present the bag to the dog mm. so that he could fully sniff it. And also, I shouldn't pet the dog. <laughs> that was made clear to me. <laughs> uh, pet the dog. I, I didn't try and pet the dog. I would have. If they told me not to, <laughs> but they told me not to in good time.
2: I think, yeah. I, I think it's it a disciplined
0: was... dog who can smell for drugs but not get excited by chocolate, right? Because I had chocolate in my bag.
2: <laughs> but they're not supposed to go near chocolate. Maybe it's a dog that's finally learned what's good for hey, him. Hey, this,
1: this smells like poison. <laughs> Maybe they feed them
0: like you, poison psycho.
2: Down. What are
1: you doing? Going around with poison in your bag? Get him.
2: <laughs> when I go to America, they tend to show um, like a video on a loop of a dog getting really excited about oranges, which were forbidden to bring in. Oh, sure. I was kind of like, that's so ridiculous. And then I realized I had an orange in my bag. Like, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> throw it to distract the dog <laughs> and dive out the exit
0: <laughs> throw the orange at the customs officer so the dog attacks him that's how it works in Half-Life it's like ant-lions <laughs> He's has orange spores now he's doomed
2: <laughs> just leave him <laughs> He said to us now
3: <laughs> oh god <laughs> tell my wife hello <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh god, are we still doing this book?
0: <laughs> we
1: haven't got questions yet. Jersey
0: That's when questions. it usually goes off the rails. Jersey questions? <laughs>
1: Yes. Do you have anything yes. more to say about bees? No, no. Forgot to
2: No. He didn't even know if they were bees. He thought they might be hornets. They might be hornets,
1: which <laughs> the whole That piece. was a really upsetting moment. That was a, that was a, low, that was a real no low point, the darkest hour of this podcast.
2: And we were both united on this side of the table. Like, what? what the if, hell? How <laughs> would you How
0: would you feel if the tentacle arm was a hornet, but it spat bees? Because that wouldn't Jeez. be outside the realm of the, the biological stretches that this game makes. Right, Chickens but, vomit eggs in this game.
2: But it would go against everything I know about hornets. Anglerfish
1: detect
3: their submarines. they
1: everything. Yeah.
2: yeah! Like, why would they have allied with the bees? <laughs> this game makes no sense. <laughs> that was Octogedon.
0: I've <laughs> now on Steam. <laughs> Do you want to know what a tortoise arm does?
3: <laughs>
0: is it so? Does it, does it win races slowly? against
2: rabbits?
0: <laughs> if there was a rabbit arm it probably would.
2: Does it
1: throw lettuce? Does it throw a shell? Does it <laughs> does it what does what's my tortoise fact? Do
3: you know what tortoise does it
1: sleep for half the year? No. <laughs> It <laughs> should useful. be a podcast <laughs> if
2: you just animals and just go Hang on, catch. hang on, no, because America doesn't believe in tortoises; it only believes in turtles. <laughs> yeah,
0: they call them all turtles.
2: Yes, they?
0: for American. But how do they
2: differentiate between
0: the water-dwelling ones? And for the- American listeners in the UK and. Like the ones with legs and shells that walk on land, which are
1: basically different. So why we, not give them something? We
0: different? call them tortoises, and we never call them turtles. The land, ones the ones, ones with are fins, tortoises. we always call them turtles. No, no,
2: no. The land ones are tortoises. The water ones are turtles, and the in-between ones are terrapins.
1: They're in-between ones, kind
2: of. funny ones aren't. They? I thought
1: terrapins were just like a different word for turtles. They got like a funny face. Yeah, yeah.
2: they sort of. They, but they. What spend does this mean? For Tino's
1: Ninja maybe, Turtles? I don't know. What does this mean for the Nintendo? No, uh, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo. the Super Nintendo are they the Super Nintendo <laughs> <laughs> Ninja Turtles <laughs> artist turtles are they tortoises or turtles
0: I think because this is an American series and I'm pretty sure they are they are fins when they're in their turtle form
2: um, oh, so so
1: I think that's they awesome. are yeah, They're genuinely
0: turtles. Okay. Maybe it's to
2: just call them all turtles And just be like none of this differentiation Really matters does it <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm sure it does if you're a tortoise And you don't really want to go swimming But I mean <laughs> broadly
0: The tortoise tentacle what blocks it? bullets It's just, a okay. shell, just the shell And okay, it does nothing there, there is a dolphin one But it doesn't detect self stuff Instead, That's a really good idea I think it should it uh, No it makes you rotate faster so it does nothing by itself, but you can rotate faster. And does then go, there's uh, a swordfish arm. Uh, uh, and, well, that's slice. And that thing. only does damage while you're rotating. So I think the idea is you okay. get some swordfish arms and some dolphin arms, and then you rotate really fast, and it will... It it's whirl itself. around. The... Can do you, you remember you, there were dolphins uh, in Plants vs. Zombies? Yes. And they you had that...
3: Uh, noise. Uh, same noise? Uh, he
0: reuses that same noise Good. for a... Not for the dolphin arm... Well, maybe he does for the dolphin arm, but I haven't had that yet. But for a cutscene in which so each chapter he has to figure out a new reason why an octopus would be angry at the world <laughs> and so sushi is one of them uh, stand-up comedian mocking octopuses is another and then one of them is um uh, a Oscars type ceremony for the best octopus and the best octopus is given to a dolphin
2: <laughs> and so the dolphin goes
3: Wah!
0: and is like,
1: and that's the whole motivation for that act
2: to be fair
3: <laughs> That's the... I would I say mean, this the is most like
1: would be better than
3: what? an octopus. This is no, like Get dolphins Out being nominated for the best
0: musical
1: slash comedy.
2: I have no sympathy for dolphins. <laughs> the <laughs> <I look> pitiless. <laughs> the smug jerks of the sea. <laughs> the actually, I think you will finds of the sea. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> 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 you won't find because you're out of sonar.
2: Oh god, <laughs> they're the worst. Anyway. If you
0: had Sona, you'd understand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so smart. <smug. laughs> they're the worst. <laughs> um.
0: Tom says, <laughs> uh, helpfully divides his message into a monologue section and a question section. And monologue, due to working long out, long hours most days of the week for the past couple of years, and now the fact that I'm living on a bicycle for six months. I'm not sure what that means exactly. I haven't had the time you're to play You're
2: man who accepted all games. of that nonsense about octopuses, and you're no. like, living on a bicycle? If he
0: vomited eggs, I would be on board. <laughs> I just don't know what living on a bicycle means. Tom, please
1: let us know if you vomit eggs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had the time to play mini games for some time. I keep up with yours and one other video games podcast slash comic strip every week with interest. What is it? Tell us. Uh, but I'm wondering whether <laughs> yes. I'll really get back into gaming when I do have the opportunity or whether I will have the motivation. Question. Have any of you taken a break from gaming and if so, why and what brought you back? Cheers, Tom. I definitely have. Um, I think I took quite a long break from regular gaming while making gunpoint. <laughs> I was still working PC game, so a lot of the, like I did that part of it, but that's not, you know, um, uh, a lot of that is not playing games. And I just found that there was so much... A lot of the stuff I enjoy playing games when I don't have anything uh, more taxing on my brain is I gravitate towards more taxing games. I love Supreme Commander where you have like 500 units and mm-hmm. um, stuff where you've got to really think your approach through and plan, think three moves ahead. And then when I'm programming... That's what you have to do in that. It's talk,
1: talk to, to a all the
0: much higher
3: <laughs> extent.
0: And so, in my spare time, I want like, not only do I want like simple games, I don't even want to interact. I just want to fucking look at a screen and just have some images happen. And so, there, I feel like there was a, like a year where I almost only watched TV and didn't play games. It was just like, I just needed every time that I had leisure time, it was going to be. I just want to watch some stuff happen. <laughs>
2: Do you think that, like, and this isn't to to call your assessment of this question into question, but would you count that as a break from gaming, given what you were doing with your... I was
0: making a game, so yeah, maybe it wasn't a break from gaming. <laughs> it was kind of a break from playing games.
2: It was a break from enjoying them.
0: <laughs> I used to... Uh... Our family holidays um, would sometimes be like two weeks or something would be just in those days 100% away from computers because we didn't have smartphones. And so it was just you didn't interact with anything mm. electronic for two weeks. And when I came back from those, looking at a screen, typing on a keyboard felt really weird. Like it was just <laughs> I'm looking at, like my screen I, at the time I thought it was pretty big. It was like, uh, you know. 19 inch which is big for the 15 inch days and uh, when I came back to it after two weeks I was like this is tiny little everything is like so small on this and then I have to press these buttons in front of me this feels really weird <laughs> did I do this for years of my life
2: <laughs> where were you that this is what reset in your brain
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just anywhere that you go for two weeks without interacting with computers when you come back it feels really strange
1: Junior university i didn't play money games that was that was but that was mostly because of money that was back when, mm. when that was when playstation came out and that was so expensive like indescribably mm. expensive yeah and so nobody had one so we um, yeah and then got a playstation when i got a job afterwards and then it's been a slippery slope ever since
2: <laughs> 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 i think there weren't periods where like it, it's an odd thing to try and figure out, I, I guess, because obviously at the moment games are my every day and my weekends tend to be where I don't play because hmm. they are my job and they tend to bleed into evenings and weekends and it's quite hard to, to not be at work otherwise. Um, so there are breaks within that, but they are so much embedded in what I do need to and choose to do every day but like there are whole sort of you know massive multi-year long things where i wasn't working in the games industry and so games were a kind of a thing that was present in the sense that there would be things that would come into my life for periods of time you know like i'd get really into oblivion for a few months or you know i'd play yoshi touch and go on the um on
3: the uh, DS. Game Boy, uh,
2: yeah, on the on the original DS yeah. for for ages at a time, but it's hard to assess what time periods those were because it was such a different relationship to mm. gaming. It was kind of like they would bubble up every now and again, but there were clearly, you know several months between these things happening but i just it, it's hard to think of them as active breaks it was more that it was just such a different relationship to
1: i do miss that i gaming. miss one of those intense kind of relationships with single games that i used to have Whereas yeah. now it's
2: paper mario was like yeah. a really sort of big thing that i would because um my it was uh on my ex's gamecube and so i would go into his like university uh like dorm room and just go and play it and you know he would be there playing something else on his pc and it was just like this nice thing that i was like intensely into for a bunch of time but i don't remember the 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 time that elapsed after that had been completed Mm. to the next next thing that i was into and that's kind of a nice it's just a different rhythm i guess so yeah, it's not in the sense of taking a conscious break or feeling feeling divorced from a thing I wanted to be part of. It was just a very different cycle.
1: It's funny, I do feel at the moment I'm, I kind of lean on sort of that sort of time of interactivity. I kind of lean on it as kind of like a necessity. Hmm. Like it's not a, I don't play. I I play a very wide range of games, lightly, rather than lot, you know mm. a few games deeply. And I'm kind of always been like that. But it's kind of that fits very well with writing about games because you know I'm constantly having to kind of you know sort of write about new things. But um, I f- always feel like just I want to be able to just make things happen. You know, like, you know, after a day of maybe not making things happen, you know, um, I find feels just like a little release. Mm. And I do feel a bit sort of, you know, I don't get frustrated and I can not play games for a couple of weeks at a time or even I'm, you know, I'm sure longer, but, you know, it's part of a routine that I actually find quite cathartic.
2: I think I'm in the process of rehabilitating, not exactly games, but because so much of what I did maybe before and certainly a little while after rps was esports related and so that involves playing maybe one or two games obsessively and to the exclusion of all other things Mm. because you're not just playing them you're following the patch notes you're following the professional scene you're you know like attending events it's it's so all-encompassing And then the only things that you really have the bandwidth for are like small things. Like I would snack incessantly on itch games just Mm. because it was like, oh, okay, I I feel like I want some variety, but I Mm. cannot play a 10 hour game. I just, where will that fit with me still being able to fulfill this other function that I need to, to do? And so now it's sort of very much sort of the instinct is, oh, what's going on with these ongoing games and also oh i haven't checked out the million different like game jam results on various platforms but suddenly remembering that i can actually carve out the time for the, the in between and mm. then figuring out what that means and whether i want to play it or <laughs> or anything like that it's yeah it's, it's an interesting one it's not a rehabilitation but it's certainly a re um reprioritizing or yeah, figuring out what I want to do, where I'm happiest, I guess. Mm. 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 <laughs> All of the mm noises.
0: <laughs> uh, Aiden writes: What are your favorite band words or phrases when writing about video games? Visceral, the Dark Souls of, not enough meat on the bones, tight controls, fully realized world, etc. Also, do you have any good stories about a particularly funny copy you've been sent? Thanks, Aidan. Probably like, you know, and if I'm not saying we don't laugh at copy we've been sent, <laughs> but we probably wouldn't laugh at it publicly on a podcast, right? That would be too cruel. Um, uh, my God, the list of, of phrases that are unacceptable to me now just grows and grows every year. Uh,
1: Most words are now.
0: The first one I kind of latched onto, even prior to games released, nice, was just, I got so fucking sick of articles saying you can't go in guns blazing. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> I just became like, I've never heard anyone say you can go in guns blazing. Has never been indicated to me. <laughs> it's just like, uh, and then... I also like
2: that it was always all guns blazing. It's like, it's never just some guns blazing. It's
0: like, just, ah, uh, frustrating. So, I, like, I really hate heady mix. When you just want to say mix, if it is heady, if you really have thought about it and you have decided it is heady, fine. But so often it's just like there are just two things. There's just two things, and it does both. And you said it heady. Why have you said it heady? What? Where is the heady coming from? Have you thought about it? No, you've just heard the word heady. You heard the phrase heady mix. So every time you say mix, you just put the word heady in front of it just because you've heard
1: that a lot of times. You
3: can't God, I really, word have a
1: horrible feeling. Say Alex, there's danger
3: space that heady.
2: Line oh, yeah. in a, like a heady mix. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is, is that all of those words and phrases, and even the ones that I probably have a horrible. <laughs> response to are they have their place it's just that I object to any prose where someone doesn't seem to have put any thought into the words that they're using because the language that we have at our disposal allows Hmm. you to really sort of dig into nuance or to put really interesting points forward and if I just get nothing of that from from phrasing and if I just get like a hackneyed piece that doesn't end up actually meaning anything it's upsetting and without wanting to sort of you know um, be too uh, it's not necessarily the prose that I read on websites that particularly bothers me it's more the words and the subject lines of emails designed to get my attention that really get into my bad books because you know you can tell when you're being targeted and when the subject matter actually doesn't really relate to the thing that someone thinks that you'll react to. So, you know, you, I get a lot of pitches about the next big thing in esports and how, <laughs> oh, esports is actually going to be big. And I'm like, you don't know anything about <laughs> what I think about these things, clearly. But you you know that you've been associated with particular keywords or, you know, and it's it, it, that's another frustrating sort of. Uh, For me,
1: it's <laughs> when that kind of language infects kind of. You know Honest Writing about games And where people So one of my Real bugbears Is when people say Franchise mm. Because that is That is a marketing term like That is a business term About You know It's just title Ownership yeah, yeah yeah, And it's like No it's a You know it's a series of games You know like Just use human words Games you know, It's just you know And then um... I use franchise a lot <laughs> But then, I mean, if you're going to talk about business, then you know, fine. But you know, but then the, the, In the there's new stuff like... cartographer franchise,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the first entry, is this blazing debut. <laughs> You can't go all blaze, guns blazing into <laughs> <laughs> the oh. new cards <laughs> franchise. You can't go all oscilloscopes blazing. <laughs>
1: <I> <laughs> like what I one... really hate is living, to <laughs> <say> <laughs> I living is breathing world.
0: Living breathing world. Or immersive. Not, as if yeah, immersive, immersive. What do you mean by living? What do you mean by breathing? World, I get you. I give you
2: that one for free.
1: <laughs> tell me what you mean by living. Tell me what you mean by You just mean that there are systemic rules going on. Yeah, consistent. you just yeah.
2: And, and things unique. are happening. Misuse yeah. of unique and also just casual deployment of unique. It's like I. Oh.
0: The other one specific to reviews. Uh, this is this questioner has completely asked the perfect question. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> get it. I I feel like we've probably answered it before as well, but it's just such a. Uh, uh, a sort of critical topic for us all that we all have so much to <laughs> rant about but um, particular reviews it's just so redundant and pointless to say it's not without its flaws of <laughs> course it's
3: not with- why are you
0: what's oh, the point of saying if, if you come across a game that's flawless by all means say that it's flawless otherwise we'll assume yeah it has its flaws like, so by that- all means tell us the flaws <laughs> but you don't need to actually have a sentence that says <laughs> As it happens, this bigger game is not the perfect, ultimate, pure game that has no problems whatsoever.
2: Something that I really hate, though, and it's, it's more about my own sense of writing. It's it's why I don't really enjoy writing reviews, even though I, I will do them to try and, you know, help people figure out whether this is a game they are interested in or whatever. But, like... My approach to reviews is pretty much Always just summed up with And I write it out just so that I've got it out Of my system but it's basically If you like this kind of thing (laughs) You'll like this kind of thing And if you're not me Maybe you won't (laughs) All I can tell (laughs) you is the the thing That maybe I like That you might not I don't know it's all just Throwing spaghetti at a wall (laughs) And then delete it And try and write the actual thing that might help someone
3: form an opinion.
0: <laughs> That's actually something um, Graham helped me with uh, writing reviews where he and I would talk about, like, oh, I want to say this, but I have more people think of this and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, he was the one who said to me, like, don't second-guess your audience. Just say what you think. Like, you don't have to mm-hmm. predict, oh, if you are this kind of person, you will think this. And if you're that kind of person, you will think this. Just say... I'm this kind of person, I think this. Mm. And then yeah. other people's opinions, you know, it, people who are generally different to you and have different tastes might have different opinions, but you're not going to be able to accurately predict that anyway. So mm. don't just waste words trying to, you know, foresee if you disagree with me about this, you
1: are going to have this other consequence. Because it's just... a really, you don't trust that anyway. Like, you don't know me. Yeah, like, exactly. I, don't make a fucking guess for me. But I think... I think I know you because I've read you.
2: I wonder if the internet has maybe made people more sort of f- feel that as a as a thing that they want to take into account because I've certainly found that especially since writing for, starting to write for magazines side of things more I, it's easier to shrug that tendency off but when I know that I'm going to have to deal with a comment yeah. section I'm like I want to preempt as In many of bases, these com- all the
1: bases, yeah. uh,
2: as many of these comments and as many of mm-hmm. these objections to the thing that I'm saying that as possible, and you just end up trying to say a million things. And the other thing is, the internet has limitless capacity for nonsense. And so, with a magazine, I have the word count, and with online, I'm like, allow this justification to go on for a second paragraph because I can. So yeah, there's. I. I we've really strayed away from this question, but yeah, unique. Learn how to use unique.
1: That's a, good first, that's a good first step. That's That's
0: why I stopped reading comments on my own stuff on, on the web was just that I found as I wrote I was anticipating so many objections. It wasn't just one objection. It was like there were three different things people are going to say about this and I yeah. know what they're going to say and I know what my answer is so I'm going to go through all my answers and I just write really bad copy you just end up with an article like for anyone who wasn't going to raise one of those objections you're just like why are you ranting about this I don't care but you're basically (laughs)
2: trying to create this (laughs) bulletproof article that means that you just will not have to see the one comment that pierces your armor that day of being like Oh, I just feel sad now. Why did I bother? And I put so much effort into this and it ate my weekend. (laughs) And I don't have
3: any more bees left.
2: (laughs) I expended every
1: last homing bee. (laughs) More hornet. (laughs) Let's just not talk about
3: hornets.
1: (laughs) No. That's what hornets are banking on. Uh,
0: Hello, curios and collectibles. Following your discussion on the deep hollowness you feel post-pointless item collection in games in episode 224, I wanted to know if you too felt the additional shame that goes with this emptiness when you have used a guide to find all these items. Yes. I myself (laughs) feel as if I have failed to actually find and collect the useless bits and pieces and have cheated the objective set out by the game when I inevitably reach for the guide so that I can be done with it. Bonus question, was there a time when you had to resort to a guide for a game only to realize the solution was right in front of you the whole time? Uh, as a kid, I sunk hours into Psych 3's infamous Barrel of Doom. I don't know. Do you I don't, know, know. That I don't that know. I'm guessing that's a thing that's obvious. <laughs> uh, thanks for reading me, everybody. Donal. I'm saying that that way because he has a PS uh, in which he explains how to pronounce his name, and I think it's Donal. <laughs> It says same as uh, I'll just say it how I would have said it, Domnal Gleason. Gleeson. <laughs> uh, but I, from context, I'm assuming that is also pronounced Donal Gleeson.
2: <laughs> so, I would say that um, the thing that I really don't like, the feeling that I really don't like after using a guide for some reason, is that it seems to alter my way of thinking about the game that really disrupts it to the point where I need that guide again.
3: That's yeah. the thing that yeah. I
2: object to. It isn't that I needed the guide to do a thing because usually I've come to it at first for a reason, but it just somehow seems to break that seal and I find that I then need it again. Or, And it's not quite just because I'm taking the easy way out the next time I hit a problem. It seems to be because it has fundamentally changed... Something about how I'm thinking about the game, and then I've missed the next clue or the next cue or the next like thing that would lead me more organically to a solution, and and it just becomes this awful thing.
1: There's something about guides as well. This isn't quite about collectibles, but um, but there's something about guides, and you read the set of things you need to do to achieve a certain thing, Mm. and you in the guides, you look and you think, Oh look, it's just so... Look, it's so complicated. <laughs> you kind of think, would I really stumble across that? Would I work that out on my own? It sounds really complicated. There's so much to do. Oh my God, I can't even bother with any of this. But when if you actually experience the game organically, like it probably is just fine. Actually, yeah. it's probably quite entertaining. <laughs> I find, yeah, that side of glides is, um, is quite horrible. But That feels like a uh,
0: symptom of the modern era of games. Uh, maybe in terms of what's changed in the industry or maybe what's changed in terms of my life but back when I only had three games a year to play I would explore them so thoroughly and if they were obtuse about how to get to what to the rest of the game I would just figure it out I'd just by brute force yeah. Yeah. including adventure games where there was a load of bullshit things where it just doesn't make any sense that you would need to use this hood on this hole in order to capture something that comes out of it and goblins too. <laughs> yes, I was wondering what that particular grin's about. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, thinking about my standards for that is have, have they've lowered in a good way at first. Like you know, there's a bunch of totally arbitrary bullshit we couldn't have possibly known it's good that we no longer accept that and now you just look up a guide if I want to play Grand Fandango these days I will play it as best I can by myself if I get stuck I'll look up a guide because I know if I try and brute force this when I eventually find the solution it's not going to be an aha moment it's not going to be like oh that makes sense it's going to be like oh for god's sake
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, even you watching
0: that? even watching the um, Double Fine documentary where like um uh, uh, there's bits where they're showing puzzles from Broken Age, and um, there's bits where like the designer of the puzzle is getting really angry playing the puzzle, and you're kind of like, this is a sign what you've made is not a good puzzle. <laughs> and then also when they're going back and like uh, to old Lucasarts games, I think um, uh, Tim is playing full throttle and he's explaining this gate puzzle with a, a chain and a thing and the mechanics of the puzzle As he explained, he's he's giving it as an example of like one of the good puzzles they did in the good old days and <laughs> as he's explaining it I'm like that doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> if the physical rule you're saying is true then the player should be able to do X and you've already told me they can't do X that doesn't work and it mm. should work <laughs> and it's just like all of those the adventure games I don't have any nostalgia for those because they, nope. they just didn't make sense they just the logic did not add up um mm. and yeah all adventure games i, would, I would at least have a walkthrough ready and i would use it when i when i wanted it i don't yeah once Weirdly. you've used the walkthrough it is true it's much easier to do the walkthrough for future <laughs> yeah. issues
2: i wonder if it's like i wonder if there are particular genres that lend themselves better to it for example with point and clicks and stuff because you just really need to know what things you need to combine at that moment in time. And you could yeah. probably do like a control F to find that right section. But there are some where it's more of a nebulous thing. So you end up seeing slightly more than you should have and and yeah. thinking, oh, hang on. <laughs> oh, should I have done uh... that thing already? And then needing to sort of... It just disrupts the whole flow of And they're often so sort of like, early. this is the best
1: way to do things. Because if you haven't got the eye of Zendor, then you're going to go, oh God, I've done it all
0: wrong.
2: It's all yeah. I tend Or you to... catch sight of a word from the next paragraph yeah. and you're yeah. like, oh, I don't want to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's what, not to mention this game again, but uh, that's what I have with Subnautica, where like I had the Mark III depth module for this, the Seamoth. And I also had the Mark II depth module for the Seamoth. And to craft the Mark III, you need the Mark II. Great, I had the blueprint for that. But to make the Mark II, you need the Mark I. I had the Mark I. Never had that. And I had that, like, two different things. The Cyclops is the same. Mm. This whole, I have every, all the advanced stuff, but I don't have the basic stuff. I never found that. And it's clear I should have had that. Like, the reason... Uh, you know that basic stuff is supposed to be the thing you find first
2: well I think that's I
0: have no idea where do we even look for it in (laughs) any sense that's
2: where the time capsules are slightly disruptive because I found one um, relatively not relatively early on but like kind of at a kind of midpoint I would say so it gave me a mark 3 kind of level thing Mm. but I couldn't use it because I couldn't you know Mm, basically it was it disrupted the flow of getting to the thing so I suddenly had a, a very definite task that I wasn't able to fulfill and was frustrated about that was slightly more of a temptation to use a walkthrough or something because it was just like, oh, come on, just give me a break. I don't know how to get this thing. I don't mm. know where to look, but I've been tempted by this thing that the game has provided me with <laughs> that I now can't use. And that's a very rare thing for that game. Like that game doesn't doesn't do that, really. Yeah. So, yeah. I
0: found... Um, so time capsules are a thing that, like, a player can leave. I have not yet got to the point where you can do that, but apparently there's, there's a time where you can leave a time capsule that another player might find. Mm. I don't know how it handles that logic, but I did... I read about them, and I... You can vote the online,
2: and then they're sort of curated. And
0: then I choices. found one. Um... Just in the, the really deep, deep place. Uh, and I was, it was a, l- a lot of stuff. It was just a basic kind of equipment. It was like, here's a repair tool, here's a laser cutter, here's a knife, here's a, all the, it was all stuff I already had. And it just took up my inventory space. There's actually some weird special rule where it can overflow your inventory without you dropping it. So you, I actually was able to carry the stuff even though my inventory was full, but I didn't mm. know what that was about. But I was, uh, it was all stuff that I either had or I didn't want and I was about to throw it all away and before I threw it all away I thought well all this stuff has batteries I do want batteries so I unload the batteries and I went through each individual item unloaded the battery then threw it on the ground <laughs> and I did all that without even noticing anything I just did all that threw them all right onto the ground kept the batteries then I looked at my inventory and I had something called an ion battery (laughs) which is like five times the capacity of a normal battery and i was like oh my god this person gave me an incredible thing i didn't even realize and then i put that in my uh, sea glide thing which is the thing that drains the most power and i use the most um and so now i have that so i'm very grateful to whoever left that particular time capsule um but they probably could have flagged up that there's something incredibly valuable hidden within the things that look incredibly It's disposable. an odd system.
2: Some of the stories that I've had about it have been really sweet or quite funny, and some of them it's just a bit like I don't think because uh, you I, can leave
0: like a screenshot as well or something. Yeah,
2: I think yeah, I a think you can attach screenshot? a screenshot because what happens is there's the point where you can leave the thing, but then um, there is a, a a part of the a Subnautica website where you log in and you can upvote, you know, people's ah, right. things. Um, but it's kind of an imperfect system. It requires, you know, people to sort of, I guess, have the best interest in the game. And then <laughs> there's like another layer of like, I think, um, uh, Unknown Worlds kind of intervention where they finally like pick yeah. from that upvoted crop as to what goes into the game. But like, I, I haven't encountered any that were... Maybe I'd just been playing for too long before I encountered time capsules as a thing. But, like, I either sort of doubled up on so many things. Like, I had about four stasis rifles at some point. I was (laughs) like, why? Why have I got so many things? Um, But, yeah, there were a few. I think in the Discord community for uh, Crate and Crowbar, there was someone who posted a thing. um, I think it was a story from someone else who'd said that they'd found uh a a time capsule full of fish and they'd eaten them all but then they realized that the the note that came with it was like please take care of my fish (laughs) (laughs) it was like oh no (laughs) that's awesome so yeah like there are some things that are like
0: i thought i'll eat this paper no i can't (laughs) eat this paper what does it say (laughs) oh my god (laughs)
2: <laughs> so it's like it clearly has the capacity to be a really cool or interesting or weird thing. But like you you also just sort of have to figure out how to get around everybody who will try and break it or include a spoiler screenshot or you know like yeah, at what been, point will anyone encounter this stuff um, and
0: It's only it that was so uh uh gained so much by me not knowing anything about the game hmm. I'm actually kind of impressed for how little I managed to learn <laughs> given that I actually know one of the developers as well <laughs> and
2: given that I've banged on yeah, about you, it about and
0: somehow I've managed to still say relatively unspoiled yeah um, uh, and <laughs> uh, yeah it's just it's good to know as, li- as little as possible
2: um, we're back on Subnautica
0: yep. you're totally back on there Subnautica there <laughs> Well, that's about all we have for you tonight
1: for various reasons. That's all you get. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's lobster, lobster
3: bees. You can
0: send us questions to be misused in this way. Uh, Mm. (laughs) Questions at crateandcrowbar.com. You can also tweet at us at at crateandcrowbar uh, or follow us there if you want. That's the thing you can do. (laughs) Uh,
2: Mute us Fav <laughs> Who knows We have a
1: discord That we will hang out on That's um, pretty... we have a, We're going to start A new bees What are going to Start new bees, going to, start <laughs> probably, new bees probably not a bees channel. Uh, channel I wouldn't thing. say we'd do that
2: <laughs> I don't think any of us Has like moderator access To that discord channel <laughs> So we're not in charge It's fine
1: Well let's see how fast moderators Could you please set up A bees channel
2: just only Alex is going to be in there. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to my channel. Ask me about it's bees. i not for
0: It's just for bees. I think I can set a channel that only you can see. So I'll do that.
2: Alex is in bee prison. that's fine. The hive. Call it the hive.
0: We could do that. the hive. Mm. Um, that's the we've done, that. Discord. Well, done Discord. We haven't YouTube. given the URL for that, but the URL for the Discord is, up, is on our is on CraigGroward.com we can't tell you it out loud because it's one of those uh, words where it gets more powerful the more you say it and we're worried that it might be- overtake Voldemort as one of the most powerful words
3: God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're on YouTube,
0: well, on YouTube. yeah, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. we're not worried about that one we actually
1: think Voldemort Tom is, is going to stay behind every week <laughs> and somehow <laughs> isn't able to repeat
2: it <laughs> Patreon <laughs> That's another thing That Patreon, we
1: yeah That's, that, that's all
0: they can give us money That's a good one
2: If you want us to talk even more
0: If you had to choose between YouTube.com Slash crowbar Or Patreon.com Slash crowbar, You should choose the Patreon <laughs> one They They Walked back All that shit we didn't like We There was a time When we yeah, didn't like did, The didn't shit we? they were doing That and was good We said They have to walk the shit back And then they walked that shit back So
1: now they walk that shit back
2: They're basically moonwalking At this point
1: Well uh
2: and that was a podcast We definitely podcast. did a thing
1: yeah.
2: For a time
1: <laughs> Perhaps we've got company During a long car journey
2: Yeah Good luck with Whatever you're doing At the end of that Have <laughs> <laughs> a <laughs> good <one. laughs> I was trying to be positive, and then it, really it sounded weird. like a cliff. <laughs> it was basically like, "Well, I mean, what, what
3: you whatever you're doing,
2: <laughs> I'm not judging.
0: You <laughs> end any way you like, really.
2: Maybe I should be judging. You made
0: that decision. You've come. Let, <laughs> let Tom you know a <laughs> No, because if Houston.
2: you're going to walk it back, you need back. to listen to the podcast again.
3: <laughs> <So>
1: you need <laughs> another eight of these podcasts <laughs> because so, you, you, you might walking. want to walk it back. You've got, you've got to listen to the podcast. I've Otherwise,
0: as long as you know what the enemy's doing, you can make your peace with that
1: decision and then commit. <laughs> oh, oh beautiful. A callback. Yes. To an this hour was a
2: perfect two, circle of the podcast. Shall we just. I'm yeah. just going to leave now.
0: Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Wait, I live
2: here. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
1: Goodbye.
0: We'll leave. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Wait, don't we do a thing where we thanking thank everyone for thanks, listening. Thanks yes. For listening. Something like that. Uh,
2: hang on, just a those lines. Do we do like thank a all for
0: for your listening? <laughs> I,
2: think I think that's how it goes. I think I our catchphrase
0: <laughs>